do we want to do some chance and we'll just <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. Right, do we want to start with one and then two and then all three of us? Do you want to start us? Rick, oh, and it'd then... be like a round. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, no. Yeah. You have yours, Beth. You're on. Think... You, you've got two uh, hams here. I'm not ready, not to, ready to. Beautiful. Beautiful. Anal nathrach uthvas bethod dochiel yenve. Anal nathrach uthvas bethod. And I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. I lost the language. Um, then what? Look into the eyes what? of the dragon and despair. Then what? Dochiel dienve. Dochiel dienve. Okay. Anal nathrak uthvas bethad dochiel dienve. Anal nathrak uthvas bethad. Look into the eyes of the dragon and do a podcast. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's supposed to be Old English, yes? Uh, Celtic, I believe, is, is oh, the, okay. what they're going for anyway. Okay. Maybe it's uh, the ancient Welsh. Ancient Welsh. Um, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I've, I've heard, well, I think Mabinogian is, is Welsh, right? Those stories, and there's a, an Arthurian twist there where he's kind of silly and, and put upon. And, and he is kind of a cuckold, I guess. So there's there's that. Maybe that's too deep to begin with. Do you want to start the open? <laughs> the, um, Sam, our, let's do our intro. <laughs> all right, I think it's your turn. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever in time, space, or on the globe you are. Welcome, folks, to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. Joining us tonight is a very special guest, Rick Tetral. Good evening. Resident expert on the Society for, help me out here. Creative anachronism. <laughs> Creative anachronism. And also, the best wingman in the business, Sam, Sam Benista, Sam, Sam is here with us as well. And we are doing the wonderful film, old-time favorite for us, all three of us, Excalibur. I was just watching that opening again, and I just love it. What, what, mm -hmm. what what's that Siegfried's March Wagner yeah um, you could you couldn't have a better choice you know I never noticed this is the first time I've rewatched this movie in probably 20 years or more yeah like yeah. sitting down watching it from start to finish and in the interim there's a there's a movie that I show my classes mm -hmm. it's called sing faster the stagehands ring cycle uh it's a it's a PBS <laughs> documentary that they did of a there was a a, a theater it's either in chicago or california i can never remember um yeah. that did all all three of the of the the ring operas back to back ring of the new oh. and yeah and, and they did this documentary of the stagehands and it, it's not too, you know it's like 80 minutes long it's a, it's a it's a and it's beautiful showing what goes on be, behind the scenes and everything but of course it's full of all of the you know the wagnerian music yeah and so I didn't realize how much of it was in Excalibur until I watched it this time. I, I think I learned all of my classical 
music, or I got all of my classical music cues, no pun, from cinema, essentially, from from watching various movies and uh, listening to a bit of PBS too. I know that uh, that um, Excalibur was the first time I ever heard Carmina Bar- Barana, which yeah, they use it so beautifully in the in the towards the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, I I have very little tolerance for Carmina Barana. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so frantic. <laughs> um, but I, I um, who, we we also have some original music in there somewhere. I'm not sure yeah. where with Trevor mm-hmm. Jones. Is that I, I'm not sure what else he's done. Last of Mohicans, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, uh, Cliffhanger, Angel Heart, Brastoff, mm-hmm. Excalibur, Runaway Train, Dark City, G.I. Jane, Mississippi Burning. Yeah, he's done a lot of films. Trevor, uh, Trevor I love Last of the Mohican soundtrack. That's a fantastic one. It's it is an excellent soundtrack, yeah. So, Rick, you, yes. you've been, I, I consider mm-hmm. you, and I think Beth feels the same, part of yeah. the Celluloid Pudding podcast. You, you are well, thank you. definitely, yeah. I think you've been on more than, than any other guests, right? More than, more than, uh, Bill's uh, on? I'm not sure. Bill? No, <laughs> Bill's been on more because I think Bill did one more episode, which is sideways. This oh, would make I you even, about side- this would make oh. you even with Bill though, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm our honored. numbers grow. Yes. It, it's an honor to have you. <laughs> and I, I just want to start off by asking you a a, a couple of questions, Rick, if you don't mind. Bring First it. of all, did you were you there for the um, cinematic premiere in 1981? Oh hell yes! Uh, for- you you all you both know the people that I will mention. Um, but my my friends uh, Dave and Keith and Steve, uh, we mm-hmm. all played D and D together. Yeah. And so when both Excalibur and Conan came out within a year of each other, That's right. we were just spewing ourselves <laughs> <laughs> so i was 17 16 17 um math is hard uh <laughs> so this movie has armor this movie has swords war swords boobs <laughs> <laughs> wait do we get boob action i guess we do yeah and, and yeah. in fact now after seeing the documentary about it i'm a little skeeved to find out that the girl playing Egraine was Foreman's daughter. <laughs> yep. And and also Mordred, right? Was a was yeah, a his son. Son. And I yeah. think there was another young, Borman young in there. The yeah. the Lady of the Lake was a Borman, but I don't know if she was Borman maybe, related. Maybe there were different takes and only, you know, it's too cold for me today. So you let the Borman kid do it. I don't know. <laughs> but but that's I mean, to to lovingly and sexually film your young daughter doing the erotic dance where Uther says, I must have her. Yeah, that's, uh, you've really got to compartmentalize, I guess. I mean, and, and then having, having, you know, we, we've talked about this since the movie came out, Yeah, you know, not taking his armor off. (laughs) (laughs) It does. does. (laughs) That that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, Mm. how are you even, you can't, you just couldn't. It, it would really hurt. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, as someone who has worn full plate armor and has had to go to the bathroom in full plate armor and so has had yeah. to access that area of the body, yeah, it's, it's not like a little hinge door. You got, <laughs> yeah, it's an significant event. Significant amount of disassembly. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, yeah. well, maybe they just did it in their armor. I mean, yeah, actually, that's a really good question. Yeah. What do you have to take off? In order, what does a knight have to take off in order to relieve himself? Because I'm sure knights relieve Co- themselves. 
there must be a cod piece in there that's easily removable, right? In the well, there would be a padded undergarment. Mm -hmm. Well, there would be trues, you know, your your mm -hmm. underwear. Then there would be a a, a padded undergar undergarment, a, you know, a gamison of some sort. Mm -hmm. Then there would be the chain skirt that they all wore. Oh, uh, then your uh, your cuisses, which are the upper leg pieces, uh, mm -hmm. sus are, are uh, suspended by a belt of some sort. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, and then your breastplate is going to come down far enough that uh, it's probably going to have to come off unless you, are, you know, want to pee inside the bottom of your breastplate. Uh, mm. So there's there's a lot of removal involved there. And then if you're doing, you know, if I, I don't know if they had anything similar medievally, but we wore a cup under all of that because yeah. a sword shot to the uh, to the twigs and berries is not fun. Yeah, no, no, I can't <laughs> imagine. So, so, so just relieving oneself is difficult, and coitus would be just be. It does, yeah, it doesn't. Unlikely, work. no. Well, well, that's one thing. When I first saw the movie, maybe I should give a little background on why I know this stuff. Yes, um, please. I, 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 <laughs> I was from from the time I was eighteen until I was in my in my uh, late twenties. Uh, I was a member of a, a a group called the Society for Creative Anachronism, which is a medieval reenactment organization, uh, which seeks to reenact the the middle ages as they actually were it's not like a ren fair where you've got people as fairies and elves and stuff like that we try to keep things period accurate yeah. uh and it's it's while they do do uh public uh, demos and stuff for the most part it's all it's all just we get together on the weekend at a, at a, a camp somewhere and have an event and there's tournaments and and arts and science competitions and feasts and court and stuff like that. And you take the details very ser seriously. Oh, yeah. don't some, you? some people way too seriously. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and so my thing was, I was a fighter. I, I was enamored of the fighting back when my knees worked and, uh, yeah. and my back mm -hmm. functioned. Um, yeah. And we make real armor uh, and make swords out of rattan because it's a, it's a very durable uh, wood and we don't actually want to, Kill each other. Yeah. Hurting is yeah. fine, but uh, yeah. Now there are medieval groups that use actual steel swords. I think they're freaking insane, but that would be insane. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Uh, but we make rattan swords and would have full full contact tournaments. Yeah. And so I have spent all day in full plate, and in Florida. In, in Florida, yeah. Oh, I've been uh, more than <laughs> once carried off the field uh, in after heat exhaustion. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, wearing a cape in August on the field looks really awesome until your temperature spikes at around 104. It's all fun and games <laughs> until you get a heat stroke. The only thing that feels better than putting your armor on is taking it off. And <laughs> the only problem that I have with this movie, because I know the realism is not an issue with this film. They no. totally commit to the fact that this is fantasy. And yes. You know, and we'll talk. We'll talk about some of the specifics later. Yeah. Uh, but the only thing that bugs me in this film is that they never take their armor off, except for Lance in the in the in the woods. And I was going to ask you, uh, and maybe I'll just wait till Lancelot, because I think Sam and I both have a problem with Lancelot. <laughs> 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 um, and and from what you've described, let's just for the, for the sake of historical accuracy, these knights are are on the battlefield 
or a waiting battle, they're probably peeing down their leg. Yeah. I mean, if you were in a spacesuit, you would do the same, yeah. right? It would be impossible yeah. to get out of the gear yeah. and uh, yeah. just get yeah. out from the right stuff. I don't know. Well, and, and that's why you don't wear it 24-7. You put it on when you're yeah. getting ready to go into battle, and then right. assuming you survive, you take it off when you're done. And you would need a valet or somebody to with for Yeah, that's what squires are for. Now, I, I will say that it's kind of a myth that, you know, full, I mean, okay, they're wearing 12th century, basically jousting armor. They, right. This is not this yeah. is not the armor that foot soldiers go to battle in, um, yeah. but it looks cool as hell. So looks awesome. But it was nowhere near as encumbering as as history likes to make it out to be. You know, a, a full harness like that is going to weigh sixty or seventy pounds, but it's distributed yeah. over your body. These guys, you know, they would wear it all. You know, not all day, but every day, and they would train in it. Yeah. So they would be accustomed to it. One thing that was that was pretty good in the film. Uh, like when they got knocked over or something, you know, it's not always easy to get up in, in full plate, but it's not impossible. Yeah. And, uh, not not very graceful once you, you don't want to fall. Right, then, right. You know, you're really- If, if you're being chased by a guy with an ax. And, and yeah. that's, that's the other, that's the other <laughs> thing that I know now that I didn't then. If you're in that much armor, hitting you with a sword doesn't do anything. Hitting mm -hmm. you with an ax doesn't do anything. A mace, maybe, uh, yeah. but- Unless somebody, you know, the, and they did show this a couple of times where unless they go like in the joints, like where there isn't any armor, some sort of, uh, you know, a pike or something to get in between the the, the plates, mm -hmm. just hitting someone in the back with a sword, they're, they're not even going to feel it. <laughs> and, and it is pretty much blind punching and, and swinging, isn't it, in Excalibur? I mean, I, yeah. I know that's Ebert, Roger Ebert, may rest in peace and all that. Um, you know, he knew a lot. He didn't care for the film. And I was surprised to read that because I, I would have thought that would be right. And Pauline Kael said something uh, negative, like if you're not interested in the truth, it's visually beautiful. A lot of people said visually beautiful, but um, bullshit dialogue and 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 really not following the more thought to Thomas Mallory and, and all of that. But then you had another camp who said, nay, nay, we, we don't agree with you, big wigs. It's, it's fantastic, and that's what Borman was going for, a visual fantasy, and he achieved that. Yeah, it, it was complete fantasy. They totally, you know, there was no concern for realism. And as and if you really want to get picky about Arthurian legends, there are as many different versions of Arthurian legends as there are countries that talked about them. So, yeah. you yes. know, in, in one version, it's Galahad who finds the grail, and another, it's Percival, yeah. and another, yeah. it's Gawain, you know, it's... Yeah. There is no Arthurian canon, so... Question yes. for you, Professor. Uh, mm -hmm. Why do you think out of all of the lore that comes... Dark Ages in England last about, what, six and, a, six and a half or so centuries. Why this one legend? Why does this legend emerge, a, a, you know, beyond all of the others, above and beyond all of the others? It's it's a. I think it's much like uh, the Greek mythology, why it survives to, to this day. It's... Mm -hmm. It takes people who are larger than life and makes them fallible, mm. but also shows at the end of that fallibility that there's redemption. Okay. So you've got people talking who are, uh, you know, vassals of very flawed, very cruel lords, dukes, <clears throat> whatever. Uh, and so there becomes this 
mythology of the of the the knight who is noble and brave and defends the weak and upholds justice which that never existed yeah and (laughs) never will probably knights knights were assholes so we (laughs) we need those kind of stories to keep us afloat if you're just doing drudgery and and and, you know paying fealty to an awful lord and Mm -hmm. living in the muck and the and the swine uh, shit then then yeah that would be it for a commoner to have been born of nobility maybe and pull the sword it looks very i, I don't know if all arthurian legends have that aspect the pulling from the sword uh, I from the think stone that's common i think that's fairly common yeah yeah um and you know there there are some texts that talk about that there may have been an historical arthur or artorius who was a uh, Romano-Celt warlord, uh, but that's there. There's no hard and fast yes or no about that. Um, but there, I think it's there's just nothing it's asp- written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, it's just a, it's an aspirational legend that yeah. gives people hope that even though things suck now, if we just stay true and brave and 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 follow our 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 lord <laughs> into battle, everything will be peachy later and that's kind of a human thing yeah when i read a a sort of encapsulated blurb uh, this had never occurred to me but the blurb created the story is it it looks almost messianic like oh one day the king will come and unite us all and uh, he'll have this great burden and deliver us from from our misery and i just wondered if that was maybe part of the I don't know early Christian tradition, and oh yeah, uh, and when you look at the Mabinogian, that's that's thought to be what pre-Christian Celtic mythology, right? Is it just seemed very Christ-like, I guess, in the encapsulated thing that I was looking at, and I had never thought of this movie in in those terms before, but I guess that's a common thing. Somebody, you know, the Deus Ex Machina, somebody's going to come in and save the day for, and save us from all our misery, and we can hope for that. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the 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 legends are very Christian, but yeah. Borman purposely, even though he took, you know, the, the especially the armor, uh, and some of the vi- you know some of the, the the visual aesthetic from later periods, he purposely wanted to have his movie set at the at the transition from Druid to Christian. Which yeah, I, I picked that up. I mean, this should have been uh, really just based on. What it says the dark ages, right? Yeah. At the very beginning of the film. And and that would be what between five hundred and eleven. That would be early this early. Four twenty to ten sixty six. Yeah. yeah. So, Just after the fall of the Roman Empire. Right. The, so the th- this would be the early formation of that that culture. Yeah. It would be or the decline tradi- those tradi- of those culture. Tradi- well, the traditions I'm talking about of the the uh chivalry and knights. I want to talk about chivalry, or I'd like somebody to explain it to me. I, I know a bit about Henry VIII, Tudor England, and, and, and all that chaos on up. And I know that Henry VIII loved the idea of courtly love and wanted to bring it back to court. Um, I, I just wonder, was it always just a dream, or, or was there courtly love in practice in, in England at any point, do you think? That's a that real just hard question it? to answer. Yeah. I, I think... You know, much like the honest politician, <laughs> the truly chival- <laughs> chivalrous knight yeah. is, is something we all hope exists yeah. or existed. The the problem, and maybe going far enough back 
yes. Mm-hmm. And there there may have been, you know, isolated incidents of yeah. knights who who followed the code, so to speak. But yeah. for the most part, in order to be a knight, you had to be rich enough to gain the favor of the monarch okay. and to be able to afford the gear. Yeah. And generally that did not lend itself to good guys. Yeah. That's why I guess this movie and the Arthurian legend is so appealing. Here's mm-hmm. this poor kid. He can't afford all that. How, how does that begin? Let's, shall we get into the the movie proper a little bit, or did you have quite specific questions you wanted to ask, Rick, also? You can break it down just into the stories from from the life of Arthur, because yeah. they're, they're, they're broken down into, you know, Uther Pendragon, and you have the, the Sword of the Stone that he unifies and forms the Knights of the Round Table. And, you probably yeah, it's, know the words. It's really hard so, to I watch mean, this it, movie and not think about Monty Python and the Holy Ghost. I, I know. It's yeah. ruined it for me. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I think it held it held water. It held it it, it stood the test of time for me. Uh, you know, eighty. Sometimes you look at those early '80s films and like mm, that doesn't really. For me, it did. How about you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. It got funnier the more I watched it. I got to be honest. With <laughs> really? You. What, yeah. Which part was funny to you? Oh, just I I called it um, Arthur's uh, rhetoricals of the Round Table. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, yeah. Merlin, what makes what is the greatest quality of a knight? I, I just <laughs> it's simply like standing around. Merlin, we have conquered, <laughs> we have yeah. conquered famine. What does he ask about evil? We can we can wait till we get there. Okay, okay. You no, know, when so, he talks about yeah, evil, at least expect it. <laughs> I, love, I love that whole scene. I really do, especially um, Liam Neeson's. <laughs> so. He's our best and bravest. Why is he never here? So <laughs> subtext. There's so much subtext in that scene. So much yeah. subtext. I, I guess there would be. One one thing I, I did notice watching it is that there's a lot less explicitness than I thought. And not 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 talking like visual. Um, yeah. Just Morgana's scheming, especially you know, you mentioned that scene. She's whispering in. Uh, what is what is who is Liam Neeson? Um, Gawain. Arians? Oh. No, oh. no, um, no. He's Gawain. Gawain. Oh, Sir Gawain. Oh, right. What is wrong? You know, she's she's whispering in his ear, and <laughs> and it's like it's I thought I remember her being a lot more present, but mm. there's a lot there's a lot of for for a movie that's about as subtle as a kick to the groin. There's a lot of subtlety in the film. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. And I like, I don't know where they found that little Morgana, the child actress. Mm. My father's dead, but she had a depth to her. Oh yeah. And I, I thought so back in the day, but watching it again, I was kind of blown away. Was she a Mormon too? Cause I wouldn't she, be surprised. I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised either. I didn't see that, but maybe an unnamed Mormon. My younger brother's youngest child, <laughs> Natalie, Bo- Natalie Borman. <laughs> By the way, we're we're completely forgetting that he also directed one of our most popular, the most popular episode we have out there, which is Deliverance. Yeah. So uh, what a departure! If you look at Deliverance and Excalibur, you wouldn't know that's the same director, would you? You know, some directorial yeah. styles, or you just know. And just a quick question about SCA again. Maybe you said it and I missed it. How long has the um, SCA been around? It started in nineteen sixty. 
say eight or nine in California, big shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, it started as just, you know, a bunch of, bunch of folks making their own medieval costumes and, and having a, you know, medieval party and, yeah. uh, you know, making swords out of broomsticks and helmets out of Freon cans. And, uh, <laughs> and it just, I, 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 I kid you not. In fact, when I joined in 1982, I think the Freon can helmet had only like recently been outlawed as stupidly dangerous and we can't wear them. Yeah. You see, so, uh, <laughs> these, you're talking about canisters that contain Freon that the, the, the yeah, automotive. Like, oh God. Uh-huh. Repair, that's crazy. This would be heavy too. My God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And one thing I read, I think it was today was that for Borman, this started out as a Lord of the Rings venture. Hmm. that that evolved into Excalibur instead of Lord of the Rings. I just wondered if you had any. So so that's not something you're. No, I wasn't aware I of was that. I was hoping you could take off with that because that's all I have on it. <laughs> but, but that's interesting to me. And I, I guess there's I a lot of crossover. I wonder if he couldn't get the rights to Lord of the Rings and Excalibur hmm. was, you know, or Arthur was, nobody owned it. Yeah. So that, that could be, that could be. But also um, it'd be, be pretty hard in 81 to make Lord of the Rings. Well, Bakshi was making his cartoons at the time, so he may have had the rights locked up. Oh, that's right. That's right. Have you ever seen that one? That's pretty bad. It's pretty... For for the time? (laughs) Was that Wizards? Oh, Wizards of the Rings. I love Wizards. I liked Wizards, too. But Bill and I saw Wizards at a midnight movie one time. I own the DVD. I I love that movie. Oh, I do, yeah. You ever do it's a different movie, only? different movie. But I, I liked <laughs> that version of Lord of the Rings. I know, I know that uh, we talked about it last episode of it, but I, I, I was embarrassed to say that I liked it, Sam. <laughs> Maybe I need to revisit it. I think it, it had to be in the early, or I don't know what, late 80s when I saw it, and that sort of hybrid, I, in my mind, maybe this is wrong, it was a hybrid like animation and real-life m- mashup. Bakshi Wasn't used it? to do a lot of rotoscoping. So he, there wouldn't be like live action people on film, but he would take like, like he did this a lot in wizards with like the demons and stuff. He would have like a, 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 a crowd scene and then he'd rotoscope them to look like demons or something. Okay. okay. So we had Ed Wood uh, gimmick there using footage. <laughs> well, to... Yeah. Losing, using stock footage and then yeah. T- tinkering yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great on a budget. Great, yeah. but speaking of which, I think this was made. It made bank, didn't it? People queued up for this this movie when it came out in 1981, and it. I think I saw it was, that it was made for 11 million. Ardmore Studios in Ireland really really helped Ireland, and mm-hmm. um, Borman used local, you know, locals for the casting. And I don't know if that's just behind the camera, but I, I do know that Liam Neeson was pretty much nobody back then. Patrick Stewart, I read, was got his launch there, but I think what he was with the RSC and, and known. Well, what Helen Mirren said in one of the interviews yeah. was that a lot of them had this was their first film. They'd been working, they'd been they were all stage actors. So it was her first film, it was Stewart's first film, Liam Neeson's first film, Gabriel Burns. Wait, did she make this before or after Caligula? Because I want to say I think well just before. after. All right. Mm-hmm. Caligula did predate Excalibur, and I don't know why Helen Learn said that Excalibur was her first big movie. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. I, I remember she when we, just... we, we really, Beth and I became very invested in, in the film Caligula. <laughs> Penthouse's put Caligula. But, um, I honestly don't blame her for not get, 
<laughs> but but to to do Caligula, which was pretty risky, or and then do another risky role, and she's still going, right? Helen uh, Mirren, and still mm-hmm. looks pretty hot. I mean, oh hell yeah! Um, so she took those chances, those risks, and and was not, you know, dumped into the B movie bin. She she survived in spite of it. She's a so, dangerous girl. She's, she's what, a, she, all of what, 21 maybe when these two yeah. movies are 21, yeah. 22. But yeah. man, to be that young, to, but to have that sort of, yeah. I don't know, sort of dangerous charisma about yeah. you on screen. I mean, that she's yeah. cool. Fearless, <laughs> fearless. Did Nigel Terry, he must have been a newcomer uh, yeah, to the I film. Don't think I don't think he had done much before or since actually he was winsome as a young man he was just so winsome yeah, I remember he was. That. what do you think merlin represents is he a trickster demigod what is he uh, do you think really what are, what are the things that like morgana says to merlin when he takes the baby is are you the mother mm-hmm. and the father now merlin because mm-hmm. two things about merlin that aren't widely known one is that he ages backwards so he oh. doesn't see the future he remembers the future Okay. Ah, cool. he remembers which the is why sometimes okay. he gets it wrong because he doesn't remember it correctly. Uh, and the other thing is he's supposedly neither man nor woman. I think well, I had heard line. that. There's there's a couple lines. Yeah. Yeah. That's like you know you're, you're not, not a man. You're not a man. And you wouldn't and understand. <laughs> and Morgana saying, "Are you the 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 child's mother and father now?" Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's kind of the first non-binary character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I don't know how, with his wisdom, he would allow Morgana to apprentice with him, though, if he if he remembered the future. That that seems like a hiccup for me. Yeah. Unless you must face your, your nemesis. I don't know. Well, when I was a freshman at the University of Florida, I took a Shakespeare class with a teacher by the name of Sid Homan, who at the time, I could not appreciate his genius. And one of the things he talked about, which is, again, one of the things I scoffed at, was that ham he he looks at hamlet that hamlet knows he's in a play and he knows what's going to happen and he can't change it and that's part of hamlet's great tragedy oh interesting and I never appreciated that and as much as i did after watching this film again this weekend because it is so clear and arthur even basically says it at the end they are all they're not all aware but Arthur and Merlin are both very aware that they cannot change their destiny no matter what they do. And they have to do these things. That's why the the final battle between him and Mordred isn't a battle at all. They're just like, all right, this is over now. You kill me, I kill you, we're done. There's a, there's a line too, or is it, I'm I'm meant to be the mem was it the future yeah. memory of yeah, yeah. The, what the is stuff that line? Memory, the, the... Yeah, it's so it's such a good line. And and he says to to uh, Guinevere at the end, and I know we're, I'm jumping. I'm terrible about this. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. But he says, you know, in in the hereafter of our lives, when I no longer owe anything to the future, yeah. perhaps we will meet as 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 man and woman, and, and you will call a mind fuck when you think about it. The once and future, king, you know, just uh, you're remembering the future, and it's mm-hmm. almost a time travel uh, trope. I don't mm-hmm. know. Who do we see first after we get we get this sort of uh, it's the dark ages, England is has no king. It's a battle in the forest, and Uther is looking for Merlin. And you've got the the they're they're all wearing the black armor. 
and yeah. <laughs> they're throwing torches and, and yeah. an arm gets chopped. No, the arm doesn't get chopped off until Excalibur comes in. It's merely a flesh wound. <laughs> and, and Uther's <laughs> yelling, Merlin, Merlin, I must have the sword. Yeah. And then Merlin goes to get the sword. And Nicole Williams. I think Williamson. Williamson. Uh, what an amazing performance. Really now, fantastic. I understand he, uh, the late Nicole Williamson, he, he passed away many years ago. And I, yeah. I'm not sure if it's like the talent gene and the nutso gene are really close to each other on, on the helix. Maybe um, if you're completely uninhibited and, and occupy your character. Did you ever, segueing, ever see Nicole Williamson in his version of Hamlet from 68 or 69? No. It's really but psychedelic, I'd love to. like crazy psychedelic. And I do wonder if he dabbled in, in things that happened in the 60s a lot. Yeah. That wouldn't Substances surprise me. They grow in the forest and you know, that that sort of thing. <laughs> but but, but even in... <laughs> please watch Hamlet with Nicole Williamson. I, I didn't know he did that. I'll have to. Yeah, yeah. it's really yeah. bizarre. <laughs> but uh, but you know, even in that little that little documentary we watched, did did y'all get a chance to watch it? I did not. Did you see it, Beth? I I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Okay. I, I I've watched the film in the past three four days, like three times, at least three times. <laughs> Um, they yeah. they even mentioned that Nicole was not 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 the easiest to work with. Uh, I guess if if he wasn't feeling it, it was hard to get yeah. a, a performance out of him. Oh dear! And he's without him, there there is no movie. No, this, he's he's brilliant in this. Yeah. What the hell is he wearing on his head? <laughs> what, what is that? I need to know what that silver. It's is. just a metal hat, and in fact, does it conduct um, lightning? I don't know. In in the documentary, they were interviewing, I think it's the guy that played Percival, and he actually still has the Excalibur prop. I would love it's, to have that. Yeah. I wear it every day. <laughs> it, the the sword prop, the sword, yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, and and somebody also had Merlin's hat, the 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 head yeah. thing, but it was not based on anything real. <laughs> it looked interesting. So there's an attempt at a truce, right, and, and a big banquet and uh, dancing and drinking and is that do I have that right or not? Yeah, and it's yeah. it's at Cornwall. It's it's in it's in uh, yeah Tintagel Tintagel Castle in Cornwall, and that's where and Uther sees Egraine, who is Egraine the wife does of the Duke of Cornwall. I mean, I guess it's a sexy dance, but it's a little frantic and and scattered. But but he to be that overwhelmed do you think that he really is enchanted by a grain or it's because uh, the other guy has her so he must must possess her too since that's his pride or whatever he had to brag about the fact that you you may be king but i have the hottest <laughs> wife in all the land yeah, yeah. Like, don't do that to yeah. the king <laughs> just just bad manners all around and bad idea yeah, you're just asking for trouble, and Merlin <laughs> counsels him like, "Don't, don't, don't throw it all away for that. You really want to use my, the big one because it's going to take a lot out of me to do this, to spin this web, right? Basically, 18 years of of a hiatus afterward. Merlin says that after after he released the dragon's breath, he had to recover for nine moons. So he was okay. only out for nine months, but that's still that's a hell of a nap. Well, that's how long it yeah. takes to make a baby happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Cool. Yeah, but he he doesn't appear to Arthur until I until Arthur's drawn the sword. But how old do you think Arthur is as a young man when he pulls the sword? Sixteen, eighteen. Supposed to be sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
And there's a famous family, and I'll completely cut it out if this is blindsiding you. Starts with a U, and um, I guess in the lore, uh, one of the members of that family was actually in a legend married to Morgana. Urians. Urians. Yes, Beth knows. Beth knows. I, I don't Beth, know. I don't know. It's I've got it open right here. On my... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Urians. Urians uh, is the one who who knights Arthur in the in the, the in the lake. Okay. You're in yeah. the moat. Which is a great scene. You oh, know? yeah. You're oh, right. Yeah. I'm not a knight. I have to, you know, I love that. He has true humility. Uh, and we see that with the battle with Lancelot as well over mm -hmm. a stupid thing. Like men just confuse me when I watch that scene. Who, who will be, who will win the bridge walking fight? And I just uh, think a Bug, Bugs Bunny did a parody. Didn't, <laughs> wasn't there. <laughs> Ha, ho, ha, ha, guard, turn, parry, spin, dodge, ha, thrust. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I may have watched I'm it almost, a little bit. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I didn't know, and then I'd seen this film a few times, that Nigel Terry is playing boy Arthur and King Arthur. Yeah. Just without a mustache. So for the longest time, I'm like, that's a different actor. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Nigel Terry. <laughs> yeah. and, and his voice um, is even different. Yeah, or he play. I, I think he does something with his voice. Do you? One thing I noticed watching it through this time that I never caught before, because this time I was watching it, you know, headphones on. All of the dialogue was dubbed. All of it was ADR later. I wondered what? about that. Was For Luke, the longest I did time. not know that. Wow. Why? Why did they make that choice? I guess maybe they just had shitty sound equipment on on set, and they had to go back and redo all of it. But I all of it was wow wondered bad. about that. Imagine catching all of that after all those takes and then bringing everyone for looping. That would be crazy. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I always felt like there was a distance, uh, you know, that distance that that creates as a viewer. Mm -hmm. And I, I did not know that, that factoid. It may have been just practical. I mean, I, I didn't realize, and again, this is something I learned yesterday or this weekend. No. I thought the armor was fiberglass. Nope, mm. it was all real steel armor. The guy, the oh. poor man who wow. made the armor, he said, I was contracted to make 14 suits of armor. And by the end of the film, I had to make over 100. Oh, my insane. God. Yeah, that is insane. It takes a long time. How long did it take him to make each suit? Well, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't working alone. I don't imagine he he built every suit by himself, but those yeah. don't those don't come out quickly. I mean, I, I, they were probably using using 20 gauge steel, which is really thin stuff. But it's still to make it because it all, especially the shiny stuff, especially the the, yeah. you know, the the really reflective stuff that that takes a while. The the burnishing and the planishing and oh, all these. Yeah. I hate working with metal. <laughs> I've tried. Well, I've built. Do you do you work with metal? You have. I've built wow. armor, and I do not have the talent for it. It's there's there's an art to working with steel, and so. Coming up with that much armor, and in the in the short time span he had, because I think they had, I think they said it was like a we we've hopped rather quickly from uh, Uther basically raping uh, Egrain. Well, just yeah, just really quickly, there, there was there was a a, a point I was making just before we broke about because I mentioned the armor because we were talking about yeah. the, the looping. Mm. Um, the reason I brought brought up the armor in the first place is that uh, a full suit of plate makes a lot of noise. And since it was all actually steel armor, that might have been a problem in that they were always wearing the armor. Oh. 
thunk a thunk a thunk a thunk a thunk. Well, how do they get around that now? I don't know. I guess you would have different tracks. Well, they they nowadays they tend to if you have armor on screen, it's usually rubber or plastic or or fiberglass or something. It doesn't make as much. You'd noise. still hear <laughs> instead <Yeah>. of clanking. <laughs> Yeah, that's a clank, 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 clank. It's like there is no stealth in armor. Because she's willing, thinking it's it's her spousal, right? Well, there's there's also there's a great story. Gabriel Byrne, who played who played Uther, yeah, said that the for the close-ups where it's a close-up of him and he's you know and they're they're timing it with with Cornwall's death and all that. So yeah, yeah, Arthur isn't a bastard at the time he's conceived. Which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of kind of brilliant, actually, the way they, that is the way brilliant, they edited actually. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the actress playing a grain wasn't there. He was he said he was humping a pink pillow. <laughs> That's when what you probably think, actor. "Why am I in this business?" Humping <laughs> <laughs> a pillow. My mother will see this. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad you mentioned that, Rick, about the uh, the uh, audio because I love the foley in this. I, I loved hearing the clanking. The, the the sound of the armor mm-hmm. and the the hoof, hoof again that's that's another thing being being too familiar with the the situation can be a downfall yeah. because every time like they, somebody would hit someone with a sword it it was basically the sound of hitting an anvil with a hammer and it's not what it so you're like picturing the guys back there making the noise and ripping yeah. and you, making you don't cut that so what does it sound like it sounds like a thunk. I mean, thunk. Yeah. You know, take take a pan and hit it with a metal spoon, and yeah. that, that's about what you get. I, I always like it when there's sword play and you hear this, like the sword's going to make that sound because it's squishing so fast. It's not not a sound there, I guess, unless you have a foil, you're you're ramming into the air. I don't know. But it, but it, it it I mean it was again they they so commit to the to the fantasy fantasy of it that I love it. But it also makes me a little crazy at the same time. I love the line too. Your lust will hold you up. It's like mm-hmm. I can't. I can't go. <laughs> I'm gonna summon summon the dragon's breath, and you're going to run a you know trot across it with your horse, and your yeah. lust will hold you hold you up. When I was a kid, I didn't get because I I have there there's a there's a mental I don't know if you call it an illness or a condition. There are people who can't really recognize faces. Jane Goodall has a famous that that affliction. I, I have a touch of it. Yeah. And so it took me many viewings to realize when Uther's riding across the, the, the water on the dragon's breath and the, the smoke and then his helmet yeah. changes from changes, his yeah. to the to the Duke's. I never it, it took me several viewings to catch that. Same. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a little bit of that affliction. If there are all, say, brunettes in cast in something, I'm like, oh, God, they all look alike to me. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to take me a while. They need to have very different features for me to understand visually. This could explain a lot. But that's also the first time we hear the charm of making. Yes. Yes. You're yes, right. That is. And and how does that go? And uh, we, what are the words? It means something like uh, danger, something. Uh, you know, I, read. I think I looked that up years ago. It didn't even dawn on me to look it up for tonight. Serpent's breath, the charm of death and life, thy omen of making. Oh. Could that be cool. it? It says, in modern English, this can be translated as 
Once again, Serpent's Breath, The Charm of Death and Life by Omen Macon. Neat. Yeah, now we know. Yeah. But I'm so glad you brought us back into chanting the Anal Nathrak, because I do remember <laughs> my 20s being very proud of that, and I lost it. You you retained it, so that's awesome. You made me want to dig deeply into Arthurian legend again. and go. You know what? That world of escape, I think that's very appealing, too, when you're in your discovery years, your 20s, and, you know, the world is, you know, you're starting to get bills maybe for the first time and, and all those things, and to escape into this is, is a beautiful thing. I used to dream of going to school, you know, this was, you know, high school, senior, yeah. junior, senior year. I used to dream of how cool would it be to show up to school in full <laughs> armor? And then I yeah. did it when I was in college. Yeah. Because what I was, was the taking, response? Well, I was taking English literature at PBJC mm -hmm. and the teacher was Watson Duncan. And I don't know if you ever had oh, the yeah. pleasure of meeting Watson B. Duncan, but he was a great man. He was a, the Duncan theater is named after him. Uh, he knew he taught, Burt Reynolds he, too. He taught Burt Reynolds. Burt yeah. He, he was, yeah. yeah. Duncan was amazing. Huh. Gawain and the green Knight we read in that class. Uh. And uh, it, Oh, it was for Shakespeare's birthday. He always, he would come in, he would always celebrate Shakespeare. And I know I'm taking us way off, off topic. I'm we so love way off. This. That's good. Um, he would, he had this big, shield with an s on it and necklace with huge gold chain and he would always come in on shakespeare's birthday and he would call it the big s <laughs> and, <laughs> and we for that class i came in wearing my armor oh and the look if i on can his just face, reach one of them <laughs> the look on his face when i walked into that room wearing my full plate was just priceless uh you know, he, he is long gone but the fact that i got to take a take his class and make his day is, is such, it's like one of those highlights in my mental scrapbook. Beth knows this, that in, as an undergrad, I had a, a teacher who taught, what was that course called Beth medieval literature or something like that? I don't, or, I don't, I didn't take that, that I know what ta class you're talking about, but I didn't take that, that class. It, yeah. And, and she ignited my interest in Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and Beowulf and just so many things because it's just dead if you don't have the right instructor. Mm -hmm. it's just... I, I know which professor you're talking about, though, because well, we, uh, we both have spoken for yeah. many times. Yes, yeah. yes. I'll, I'll name it. Dr. Ferrasi, thank you for igniting my interest in Beowulf <laughs> <laughs> and many other things <laughs> and teaching me that uh, cunny is a word that I can use in public in a classroom. <laughs> <laughs> We should bounce to the sword being in the stone. Because, yeah, let's yes, go back uh, to the movie. <laughs> let's get just so, so only the true the true king can can remove this. I think everyone knows the Arthurian legend, but but the I guess Uther, uh, as he's going to his death, stabs the stone and drives or grabs the sword and and drives it into a big stone. No one shall wield Excalibur but me. And, I mean, and, but and if I, you think about it, you could chisel away the stone. With, I don't know. But Merlin's uh, you know. Merlin looks at it like, "What the fuck have you just done?" Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you done? But I guess. And then he's, he's like, "Oh, the that's that's a good idea." Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of uh, reuses that idea of he says, "The lust will hold you up, or the, the dragon's breath will hold your lust aloft, or whatever he says." But when he takes the baby, he also says. Something like the issue of your lust. What what uh, issues from your lust will be mine or something. Yeah. Yes. Something yes. Like that. Yeah. And 
he's delightful, you know, going through the woods and uh, and Ukraine is is mortified and, and scandalized, isn't she? I mean, that's a horrible scene when you think about it, grabbing the baby, taking it away from her. She doesn't understand. And Morgana, you can see why why she was a little traumatized and turned into what she was. I heard in the original text that she didn't that she was delighted that really uh, that <laughs> delighted that she found out that Uther was the father and oh. didn't seem to have a problem with giving over the, the child. Oh, so. <laughs> OK. Well, well, a lot of what, critics Morgana or said, Egrain? Uh, Egrain. Uh, Egrain. Oh, yeah. That in, in some of the texts, she's delighted that it, oh, oh, it, oh. Uther is the father. You know, that, that that's the thing about about the Arthurian tales is there are so many different versions because, you know, they started off as oral, you know, oral uh, stories, whatever, whatever you call it, uh, you know, campfire oral tales. Yeah. Oral tradition. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. You know, nobody wrote this shit down until hundreds of years after they were, yeah. they were actually. <laughs> and then Mallory six Mallory 600 years after that. So, yeah, yeah. this is also the first time I watched the movie since being a daddy. And that scene hit me a lot harder than it ever did in the past. Yeah. Oh my God. I have a question. Uh, Sir, Sir Kay is the brother. I forget the name of the family. Hector. Hector. Oh, it is Hector. Hector. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, Kay is the older brother, and he's squiring yeah. for for his older mm -hmm. elder brother. Yeah. And I do, I do love. What is a robber knight, Rick? What does he mean by robber knights? Because Sir Hector's like, look out for robber knights. I'm like, what are those? I, uh, you know, I never caught that. I, I don't know. No, I was just wondering. Knight with a K or knight with an N? I don't know. No, he's he as they're riding into the the tournament or whatever this is. I'm oh, just assuming an early tournament. Could that um, be like pool hustling, but people who are into yeah. jousting can yeah, yeah or maybe. Yeah. Maybe somebody that you know they 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 stole the armor. They're not you know kind of kind of like what uh, Heath Ledger was in in A Knight's Tale. You know, not really a knight, but pretending to be one. Yeah, yeah. Or that robbers robbers are going to try and you know somebody's going to try and just distract you to get you to involved into fighting them because they mm. would fight for ransom and they'd fight for yeah. weapons and they'd fight yeah. for helmets, mm -hmm. but. Uh, maybe in distracting because that's what happens. The sword gets stolen. Mm -hmm. Sir Kay's sword gets stolen from yeah. their their pack or their tent or whatever. And that's, that was the kid that stole it. Kay's sword has to get stolen so that Arthur will yeah. go looking for it and he can't find yeah. it. And then he goes, "Oh wait, there's a sword there. Eh, yeah. What the hell? Let me give it a shot." And yeah, yeah, works. Ah uh, ha ha! I got you Excalibur, Kay. <laughs> yeah. I, I love when the I think that you know his 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 adopted father says, put it back. You know, yeah. it's not for you. Put it back. <laughs> Just... Now here's There's a question a for y'all. Yeah. We see a couple of different times. We see th this is the first time Kay's holding Excalibur. He has a chance to lie and he doesn't. And then later mm. with Urien's in, in the moat, Arthur hands him Excalibur and says, you will knight me. And Urien, you, you, you can see the, the, the 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 conflict is the sword making it impossible for them to do the wrong thing i, I always took that yes. to be the case that you yes. cannot lie it, you know it's like the sword of truth yeah. you you cannot lie or wield it unless you are, are meant to wield it the, the sword is of the dragon and i never picked yeah. up on that until uh, the scene with lancelot when he's asking for the sword's power because it turns green and i mm -hmm. the green sort of symbolizes the the dragon to me oh. or that that aspect 
of of this fantasy world. Yeah, the ancient world, green, green. Is I always nice. love the green light, and in the in the documentary, and and folks, what we're talking about, uh, and I, I I can't remember the name of it offhand. Uh, on YouTube, there's a there's a, a it's a, it's like a, a thirty or forty minute documentary of the making of Excalibur. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's really, it's, 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 it may be a DVD extra. I don't know. I had the, I have the DVD. It doesn't, it's not on there. <laughs> but, yeah. So it's Excalibur behind the movie. I don't, I'm not yeah. sure of the date on that. Barman says the, the green light was, you know, they, they had lights with green gels on it very much on purpose for when, when the magic was happening. I love that. Yeah. That's a great visual effect. And I thought it held because it could have been hokey and it's, it's, it's it's in keeping with the reputation of the sword, right? So supposedly, when Arthur first wielded it, it blinded his en- enemies. It was so bright and powerful. So uh, I think that I think Borman must have been a real enthusiast, not just "Hey, I'll make an Arthurian flick." Oh yeah, but, it's but beautiful, really? and the, you know everything about this movie should not work, but it does. It is yeah, truly greater that- than the sum of its parts. I, I love the costume design. I mean, aside from your points about the armor being, you know, you wouldn't wear it 24 yeah. seven and not being good for coitus and that sort of thing. No good in the bedroom <laughs> or, or in the bathroom. Or urinating. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> little in the bedroom. No. And uh, even eating or anything else. I just, you know, even riding, how do you mount your horse in battle? Or well, that's one thing battle? the armor is built for that. That particular armor is tilting armor. That's okay. Know, it, it is made to, because you notice there's nothing on the back of the thighs. Yeah. Uh, okay. On the front. Well, the the front and the and the inner the inner thigh. You definitely want armor on your inner thigh. Trust me. <laughs> but no. for a horse, that would be crazy to ride it with. I, 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 you know more about that one than I do. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, I've never ridden a horse ahead. in armor. I've ridden <laughs> a motorcycle in armor. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, that's a whole hot. different story. Oh my God. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> okay. Did you did you guys like the little touches of humor like the uh Sir Pat Stu who's playing oh god who's uh Leo Grant uh, uh Leo Leon de Grants. Leon de Grants. Yeah. So he wins his joust, he runs over there, he's got his chance to pull the sword out, and then yeah. everyone's everyone's thinking <laughs> that he's gonna because he's a big bad knight, right? Mm-hmm. Very yeah. successful knight. And they, they're all gathered around, all excited, and then he can't do it, and they, they just kind of turn around, disappointed. Dis- 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 mm. <laughs> I love that. All of the reviews, people fail to mention the humor, and there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of humor. There, there's extreme really drama. I love that turning their bags, like mm, another okay. one. Like yeah. how many times have they done this over the years? You know, just. <laughs> And today is the day, but it's not. As Sir, as Sir Hector, Hector's going in there, there, there's the priest just praying and praying over the sword, like, please, Lord, today, today, let there <laughs> let, be a knight yeah. or let there yeah. be a king and for the kingdom. Yeah. I, I found that humorous and I don't know why. I just it, it's hilarious. It very I wondered how many times they'd been through that whole scenario when I watched it. We all grew up with Disney films. So the sword and the stone was something we all watched as kids. And then... For me, anyway, Excalibur superseded it, and then I forgot about it. And then I went to Disney last year, went to the Magic Kingdom for the first time in a long time, and I totally forgot that in some legends, the stone is in an anvil. (laughs) Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I completely forgot that, too. Oh, well, I remember sword, wondering. The sword what, and the anvil. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't have the same, same, ring, same ring to it. it. No. Uh, uh, let me ask you a question. How many Arthur movies? I'm looking on my little uh, 
Oracle box here. There, there have been a lot of movies made about the legend. Mm-hmm. Where do you, where do you uh, think Excalibur and a famous stands? musical? And uh, the, yes, that's true. <laughs> where does Excal? I I think Excalibur is the gold standard. After he pulls the sword out, he he, he gets a little education from Merlin, which I thought was kind of cool. I didn't know there were that many reptiles in England. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I did not know anacondas lived in. England. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just uh, that I guess was bizarre. Patrick didn't make it over there. The one line I loved was "Sleep in the arms of the dragon." So he's Dream. afraid at the one hand. Yeah, <laughs> he's on, afraid on the one hand, but then Merlin's sort of teaching him that this this wildness, this this magic. It's so powerful that you're also afraid of. You live in it, breathe in it, mm-hmm. and you can dream in it and make it a part of you. And then sort of the next morning he sees him swinging Excalibur around. And he's, and he's like, this is the dragon too, right, Merlin? And he's like, ah, you're learning. This is the dragon too. Quick. I love how he says that too. It's very and winsome. <laughs> it is. And I like how Merlin sleeps with one eye open. That must be referenced in, in wizardry uh, lore or something. And, but I remember it being being very skeeved by that when he's sort of lying down and sleeping, but with one eye open. Well, he was so also you, wearing those awful contacts, which, you know, in the yeah. in the 80s, they were hard contacts, which mm, had yeah. to be uncomfortable as hell. I bet. The one important thing that that we that ends that that part of the movie when he pulls out the stone is he meets Guinevere. Yeah. Yes. Thunderstruck. <laughs> well, well, Arthur Arthur pulling out the sword starts a war. With some knights supporting him and some knights opposing him because they're like a boy a king, and so let the boy try. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and so there's a siege of Leon de Grant's castle. Yeah, in Cameliard. The whole time it's happening is when Merlin and Arthur are are taking a nap and and talking. So there's this this whenever Arthur is with Merlin, it's almost outside of time. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. like they're they're there for what feels like a few minutes, but then they go back and there's been this siege going on. Yeah, and and then Arthur just no armor, <laughs> but he's yeah. got Excalibur and he's yeah. just killing people left and right, knocking yeah. over over uh, uh, ladders and stuff. I love the bit where Merlin puts a hook on one of the siege ladders and just goes over and whispers to the horses and they. Run oh, I love that too. It <laughs> was very Gandalfy before Gandalf. <laughs> we yeah. knew much about him. Yeah. Then Arthur's up on top of the wall and he's fighting and, and Guinevere sees him and is just totally swooning. Yeah. But but she is my gold standard for standard for Guinevere. Oh yeah. She, she just looked yes. like what's her name? Cherry Cherry? Cherry or Cherry Lungden or something like that. Lungi or yes. I don't know what else she was in. I, I don't know. I've never heard of her again after that. Uh, I do love that. L- that Lungi. That's... Lungi, yeah. Lungi. Okay. I do love that. That's whole that whole story is revisited again. That pattern, make her fall in love with me, Merlin. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, do it. I summoned the I summoned the dragon for so your father could lie with us with a woman for one. <laughs> oh, I can't even. You have a kingdom to quell. Yeah. time enough for you to be jumping around and pulling your hair out. <laughs> great line, acting a fool. <laughs> it's like the cake. You never know what's in it until it's too late. <laughs> What are what are unborn grains? Somebody I have no idea. Grains, <laughs> robber knights and unborn grains. You ever? I, I assume y'all have seen Disney's Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yes. For mm-hmm. some reason, when when 
when they the the cast is on the Nautilus and Nemo is presenting them with dinner, and at one point they're eating, and he says it's unborn octopus. And for some reason, that stuck with me for my whole life. I remember and that. Like, Unborn grain. <laughs> we we touched on it earlier, but there's that very important scene where Arthur jumps off the top of the freaking castle into the water. Yes. And, and he's he jumps on Urians and Urians gets the better of him. Yeah. Or no, no, he gets the better of Urians and he's got, he's got Excalibur pointed at Urians' neck. And he says, swear fealty to me. And Urien says, me, a noble knight, swear fealty to a boy. And that's when, you know, yeah. you get yeah. that, that yeah. The, the lady of the lake yeah. motif. That was and, a very good impersonation of that oh. music, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm not a knight. You will knight me. And hands Excalibur to Urien's. Yeah. And he's like, God, I want to, but I, yeah. I can't can't take power but I, I get, this, I get this shivers honor. thinking about this scene and watching it this yeah. weekend actually brought tears to my eyes oh yeah because uh, he's, he's like you know i you know in the name of saint god saint michael and saint george i knight you uh rise king arthur the courage in your veins is so strong it must be from uther pendragon and it was exactly, just like yeah. oh that is such a gripping moment such a moving yeah. moment yeah and that's the end of the war and then he unites the unites all britain in in the early medieval period, Britain was not a kingdom; it was a bunch of different fiefdoms, and fiefdoms, and yeah. tribals, and you know, it there was no unity whatsoever. That's why France yeah. conquered England so many times because they were so yeah. busy fighting amongst themselves. Yeah. I mean, knight, knights are warlords with better PR. Exactly. Really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's perfect. <laughs> so so the the fiction of you know one king to rule them all was very appealing at the time because one king to find them mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they try to cover a much later period in the in vikings did, did you guys watch i have that? not been able to watch i i i know i should but i've heard because i i again i know too much about the actual history viking, of vikings well uh you get viking battle fatigue too and, and the shield maidens weren't as prominent as you know and the hair and all that but it's but it does touch on those early kings and 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 also the different quadrants and fiefdoms and and yeah. all of that sort of thing that aren't covered in a lot of material that we have so i i well, like that's, that's why the norsemen did so well in in england yeah. because there was no england yeah and so when, just, you know, when you're fighting tribe against tribe, if you're a better, better equipped and better trained, yeah. but this isn't about like, <laughs> that's, that's true. I don't know why I just was thinking, okay, I guess we can't grasp anything from the early dark ages. And how does the society decline into muck, which is basically, you know, you have Roman conquest and everything that went along with all the uh, innovations of Rome and the organization of Rome into chaos because and, Rome and, left, they yes, just yeah, rolled out left. and went bye. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, but, but I no... mean they're re reestablishing, uh, you know, a hierarchy is kind of the way I look at it. Trying to at least. Yeah. Also, I understand, though I, I you know, I, I understand that historians don't care for the phrase "dark ages." They prefer to call it the early early medieval period. <laughs> yeah, but but I understand why it's called the Dark Ages. It, it's poorly understood. It's yeah. six and a half centuries uh, with with no written word. Very uh, yes, you can find the archaeology, but it, it, 
it's a long time period. Of, it is. After a, a kind of enlightenment, Roman, I know that's a different age altogether, but everything that went along with the Roman conquest, bad and good, to start from scratch. Like, how do you make a wheel? How do you how do you do anything? <laughs> you know, it's it's frightening to me when I think about declines like that. And uh, could it happen again? We, I don't know. Maybe look. I mean, the the early tournaments they could be ten on a side, mm -hmm. twenty on a side, a hundred on a side, and they fought for all kinds of things. Uh, it, they talk about ransom, and they also talk about the the women standing red eyed on on the on the sides of the the tournament. Uh, because they would lose husbands and there'd be limbs laying around. Yeah. And they mm -hmm. were kind of like bikers, you know, yeah. having it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I wonder if the code of some biker groups is, is the same or, or I, don't know, I mean, I don't, but to, you know, like biker gang, th think violent biker gangs, wild ones, like from the fish, yeah. like, I yeah. guess, knocking heads or whatever over turf territory, money, loot, women. Even yeah. though they don't mention that in the the documentary I was watching earlier today, they don't mention that. The, no, I I doubt that very much. That they just left the women, the newly widowed widowed women that day, just sort of standing on the side. <laughs> so, no, no, somebody got her. Let's jump to Lancelot. Why do we have Lancelot? By by then, it's like you you said, Rick. He's he's sort of unified the whole country or all the other knights under him. And we have that, like you, you guys were talking about the Bugs Bunny meeting on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> twist. Well, it starts with, with Arthur's there and like Hector is coming on his horse and he's leaning over the, the, the saddle and he's like, he's too good. We can't beat him. And, <laughs> and, and you, you see this, this shot of this bridge over yeah. nothing it's like a ditch yeah yeah why not just go i don't know but well uh, and, and lance brings that up actually um yeah you know the, and and at the end is you know and of course they're all they're all wearing like their their black armor it's or black or, or it's it's blackened it's not shiny mm -hmm. and on this mm -hmm. bridge at the end of this bridge is a a, a man in bright classic shining armor totally mm -hmm. chrome and mm -hmm. he's just standing there and Arthur's like, well, fuck this. I'm going to go take this dude out. And he rides up yeah. there. And Arthur's like, get out of the way. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> None shall <Make> pass. <laughs> oh, God. And, and, and so Arthur's like, I'm coming through. I'm the king. And, and Lance is like, good, prove it. <laughs> and so they, 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 they joust. Uh, now, that is one thing I've never done. And I, I, they do that yeah. now in the SCA. Uh, I I could never. If they when I was in, they didn't do it. Now they do do it, but it's very expensive. To, you know, they do they do actual jousting and 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 equestrian stuff. I, I don't know can't how I feel about that. I, I I I've never heard of. Well, I haven't heard too many details, so I can't say I've never heard of a horse being hurt. But yeah. um, I can't imagine it doesn't happen. I just know that jousting has got to hurt a lot if you do it for real. You know, like the stuff you see at Ren Fairs, they're using breakaway lances. Uh, yeah. So there's there's no, you know, they're they're armored like hell. And mm -hmm. the, sort, the, the, the lances are meant to shatter. But yeah. like doing it for real and getting unhorsed. So you got, what what does a horse run at? Like 30 miles an hour, maybe 35? On a short gallop, I'm not sure what speed they get up to. You've got the weight of the horse, the weight of the horse's armor. You've got the weight of the the knight and the knight's armor, 
all of this kinetic energy moving toward each other, and then it get con gets concentrated into a point about maybe three inches around. Nine hundred to twelve hundred backwards off of that. Twelve hundred pounds. Okay, that's at that's the high end. Yeah. That that's that sounds reasonable because the war horses would have been big. Uh, yeah. So then you get all of that kinetic energy, and you get knocked backwards off of this thing, and you're a good ten feet yeah. off the ground. That can't be fun. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. cervical vertebrae are going to uh, break. And yeah. just, do you want to die for that hobby? Just no. The, the, and this is another thing that makes me crazy. And they always do this in in medieval movies when when they're fighting. They take their helmets off because, of course, we want to see faces. Yeah. And then nobody ever hits each other in the head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be sporting, Rick. Yeah. They always yeah. aim for the body where there are. Wouldn't be chivalrous. <laughs> That's what I, I cracks like me up about a lot of blocking for fights, like spinning pirouettes before you make a hit. Like, just hit yeah. the person while they're doing all this fancy stuff. And just that'll be it. Sorry, I like cool. what. No, I was just gonna say I like what Merlin says. You know, Arthur comes up to him and he's in the pond there, and mm -hmm. and he says, you know, look at him, he's so uh, beautiful and quick. And you're like, is he talking about the knight? Because that's what Arthur's talking about. Not, I didn't realize he might be talking about the fish he's trying to catch. The fish, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, There's always that's something I... cleverer than yourself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love he's that, that he's old. a creature of nature, but but fights within it himself. He has his own toils. He, he falls into the, into the river. Yeah, and then... Delightful. And then after mm. Arthur is unhorsed and Lancelot mm. gets down, and Lancelot says, and I can't remember the, the full line, but he's like, you would fight to the death with a man who is not your enemy over a patch of land that you could easily go around. Yes. That's the, that's the one. Yes. And, and Arthur says, fine, to the death. Taking <laughs> like the he doesn't get wrong it. message. He, he doesn't even understand sarcasm. He's too green. He's and Lance is like, all right, if I got to kill you, you know, it's it, you, you, you. I just you gave you an out, but. <laughs> And and the 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 fight choreography in this movie is beautiful. Yeah, okay. it is wonderful. I mean, there are, you know, in any movie, there's going to be the the fighting is more for show than for actual fighting. Yeah, but it's still they do such a great job with this. Uh, and do. then and then when Arthur summons the power of Excalibur, because he's losing, so he breaks, yeah, because he's losing, yeah, and then he breaks the sword. Yeah. And and Merlin, Merlin again. There's so many moments where Merlin is like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and he's what like, "What did you, you just have, do? You have broken with that which cannot be broken." <laughs> <laughs> Arthur realizes he's like, you know, my my vanity broke this, my my pride broke this, yeah. and it's a it's a pivotal moment for Arthur. Uh, it's a pivotal moment in the movie where Arthur realizes that he's more than just a guy. He's more than just some feudal warlord. He's got to be more than that. And he gets the second chance from the Lady of the Lake. And Merlin's like, get the fucking sword! <laughs> <laughs> it's never happened. She never gives it. <laughs> Lancelot, he's so shiny and perfect. Yeah. And fleshy. Mm -hmm. There's something fleshy that I don't like about him. Oh and, yeah. So we're talking about what we don't. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he's he's. I guess he's the ideal, the chivalric. I guess ideal. But he's he's a total backstabber. But he doesn't mean and, to be. 
come now. He, the the he, come hither looks at the wedding even. He's very prideful. That that's he, maybe the way. one the one place where the movie kind of fails to deliver is there's not a whole lot of build up between Lance and in Guinevere. There's that one scene yeah. where she, he, she you know he's like you you are my queen and you are my love and as long as you live I will love no other. Yeah. Are we are we jumping to that right now? I guess. Well, a little bit. Might, I mean, we can. I mean, if, we, if you want, because. It... But but I mean, th- this is my problem with Lancelot. I, I mean, physically, I don't know. I I don't I don't swing that way. So I don't know whether he's. No, my wife. You don't have to either. swing any which way to notice beauty or. Uh, well, I don't find I find him odious. And I, I, I. We're going to get to that. Just, <laughs> all right. Well, the, the reason I said it that the reason I said it that way is I have a hard time acknowledging male attractiveness. I I don't know okay. what you know. I don't know what makes a guy attractive. Okay, aesthetically though, just looking at his physique, would you say he is pleasing? I, as well, I don't know. God, that, that's just a wrong question to ask a straight man. Um, <laughs> well, well you, there, there are known things like the Greek ideal of beauty. Yeah, well, like you know, I, uh, I know that Hugh Jackman what, what and Sam Tom Hiddleston, said. I, I totally get, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if the dude that played Lancelot is is attractive or not. Would you say that it, David is is beautiful, the sculpture? But well, I do understand what Sam had breasts. You could say may have an opinion, but you can't because it's. A, I don't get this. He has no, a very it's, tiny. It's, um, bit on him is all i want to say which is part no, of the I, aesthetic I'm, as well no i i'm just thinking most men appreciate other men who are well have well-developed physique or, but or I'm, I'm not talking about from the neck it. down i'm talking about face oh oh okay oh, oh right. i can't honestly remember his face i just remember the curly hair and i'm just watch the thing uh he has a very generic face to me like this is generic beauty in a man I don't know. He's very pale and fleshy, though. This fleshiness. <laughs> when there's forest coitus, I just, I can't take it. He's too, his, his I have a question is too. I have a question for you, Rick. Okay. Is it, he's the only knight that we see sort of in the buff when he's not in his armor. Yeah, he's. Uh, oh. Was that customary to be like completely naked? So is he completely naked underneath his armor? No, it would hurt. That would chafe. That would chafe. <laughs> but I mean, why is he sleeping in the complete nude? I don't think we ever see anybody else, any no. other night, completely nude. Because he's yeah. buff, and they can. I think that's we don't get much nudity, right? We get. Uh, we get the only we get one. Yeah. We get Guinevere, and I, I think, I thought that there was there was a scene with Helen Mirren, but I he I, is more nude than any any female character in yeah. this film. Yeah. I I, I yeah him him sleeping naked in the woods was really weird. Also, may I point clubs. out that uh, <laughs> once he's revived and he and Arthur meet and he agrees to serve Arthur as his champion, he kisses the tip of Arthur's sword. Yeah, that's that's yeah, not that's at a all bit um, not... <laughs> <laughs> Just lovingly kisses the tip. I think when they go out on their sword. crusades, there's got to be a lot of sword kissing without any other options about. Yeah, that that even even twelve years old. I caught that one. Yeah, same. He, he, when he's sent to escort Guinevere, he's professing his 
love to her through Arthur, but it's it's clearer that she's the he's finally discovered women when he meets Guinevere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's so pure. And I guess the the courtly the idea of courtly love is it's it's chaste, right? To love pure and chaste from afar, to quote Man of La Mancha. Yeah. Yeah. So he's this shiny Greek ideal looking thing. And uh, but he he he's not really the ideal, is he? Guinevere, no. I guess again, a woman's well, going to tempt you off that pedestal, and and that that's again, that's that's the whole thing of the the ideal human is still subject to the same flaws that the rest of us are. I don't think he should have ever said to her that. No, I only. It's clear when he lays eyes on her, they look <laughs> at each other and they want each other, and then on the way to her wedding. The glance—it's it's hard, yeah. but beautiful costumes for the wedding. Oh my God, Lance is mighty. He is invulnerable, but he's naive as hell. Yes, and, he is. Yeah, and he doesn't realize that what he said is having the exact opposite effect of what he thinks it's having. I don't know if he's that stupid. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's that stupid either. Yeah. He knows about carnal love. There are some people that love to be in that agony. Mm. Yeah. The longing. But I, I caught, caught that from the character this time. I mean, obviously they get uh, Arthur and Guinevere get married out in the woods because there's no castle yet. I don't know why <laughs> everything is out in the woods, but it is. It's Ireland at its best. It's so beautiful well, out there. It takes 20 years to build a castle, right, Rick? Something like that. At least. But, you know, yeah. this is magic times. So that's also, true. The, in, the, in the documentary, they talk about that, that scene, the wedding scene, yeah. because the weather was being awful that day. And they kept, it was raining and cloudy. And they would get like little five minute patches where the clouds would break and they'd get the sunlight. And they're like, film, film, film. Oh, <laughs> wow. It took them all day to get that built, that, that, scene shot because the, the weather wasn't cooperating Suppose i mean it rains 360 days in ireland so i don't know what borman was thinking well you know it's, it's funny gorgeous. They, they they were talking about how the how it was raining all the time and i was if you know anything about the filming of monty python and the holy grail they had that problem too in fact yeah. uh john cleese said when you watch the scenes you can tell how late into the day any scene was filmed by how wet our legs were how how far up our legs the what the moisture was <laughs> But um, there, it, there was the, the town, it was Wick something? Wicklow, Wicklow maybe? Wicklow. Uh, Glendalock, which is where Braveheart and many other films was shot, beautiful area and protected area, uh, is around that, around county, in County Wicklow, which is a okay. place where I used to live at one point. Borman was kind enough to shoot it in Ireland, use locals, launch the careers of Gabriel Byrne and Liam Neeson and, and, and many others, who whoever plays Kay, the brother, as well. Kyron, somebody. And uh, yes, it, I believe it was shot in County Wicklow. I'm, I, I'll have to cut that if I'm wrong. And no, right. that's near a protected area called Glendalock. Uh, and, uh, and movies like Braveheart have been shot. A lot of movies where it's supposed to be Scotland, pure and beautiful, have been shot in Ireland because it's an unsullied and, and medieval looking, looks, looks untouched. To this day, and there there's an ancient uh, cemetery there, for like one of the oldest um, cemeteries from 900 or something like that uh, in the area, and that's been used as well. 
I was in County Wicklow itself, and uh, that was about 20 minutes from my house, which was uh, a little, my house was in a little town called Ashford, which is not a very uh, romantic sounding name for an Irish town, but that's what it was. I know it well. I've taken that drive many times. and It's an enchanting, beautiful place. And I think any, and also there's a kind of special light um, because of the mountains, uh, the soft mountains in, in Ireland, and because of the, a lot of cloud coverages and, uh, I don't know, that beautiful verdure. So I think it would be a cinematographer's dream shoot if you're using natural lighting. And I do think that this this movie has a special look to it because of that, because of where it was filmed. Morgana becomes reintroduced to the storyline at the wedding. Is this where he's quizzing her? Where Merlin is, where she's really after him. Please take me on. Please take me on. And what does Mandrake do? And she has to audition in a way for Mm -hmm. him. But yeah, of course. Your eyes never leave me, Merlin. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to seduce him, doesn't she? Something fierce. Does she want Merlin, Rick? Does she want him? Well, we don't know that. Just the power or the man? She wants know. the power. I think she 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 has learned that she can use her her wiles to get what she wants, but it doesn't work on Merlin. I love the yeah. phrase, I'm a creature like you. Mm-hmm. Mm. you know, I'm not woman. You're not man, because he's told he's not a man. But I'm a creature like you, Merlin. But she's not really, I think. I don't know, Sam, because he... he, he he even says the days of our kind are numbered. So is there something magical about... He does accept about... her. Okay. She does have the sight, right? She says, my father's dead uh, early, yeah. early in her, as a young girl. So she does have the sight. Uh, he he sees promise in her, but I think he also sees the, the evil in her. But this is a question I wanted to pose to both of you. Do you think they are sort of a representation of the ancient old... Because he even talks about the old gods. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that they're part of that versus the the I, time of men. I think they have to be part of the old gods because with Christianity, you would have good against evil, right? That would be the the trope, and I think Merlin's morally ambiguous or just amoral. You know, mm-hmm. not mm, good, not yeah. bad, whatever is going to serve. And she's sort of presented as, as but she is the, of the same type, right? Amoral, but power hungry. What does yeah. she gain? Mm. I don't know. That that what, would be a big question. She She's more selfish, whereas Merlin is more selfless. So yeah. I'm not sure we're talking about good versus evil as opposed yeah. to self-serving versus... I'm just saying there's no binary. Uh, if you're talking about the old gods, there's a yeah. lot more nuance, I think. To, yeah. to deal with just not like good bad and that's all you get in christianity or I, yeah redeem or redemption maybe i think uh merlin accepts that it's the time of men and i do feel like morgana would like things to just stay the same yeah or at least not become completely dominated by well this new way an omission in this film is nimu or nimue depending on on how you pronounce it who is Merlin's love in oh. a lot of ah. wait how is Nimue a, N- a N-I-M-U-E we have oracle consultation <laughs> wait Nimue trapped Merlin under a rock after realizing he fell in love with her that's what you do um, as she was done with him constantly making sexual moves she eventually got rid of him and becomes Arthur's new magical advisor at the court well I don't know that oh. part of the story okay. that, that's why I said there, there are so many different permutations of the arthurian legends 
Do you think one, uh, is there a treatment you know of where Morgana and Merlin, where she gets her way with him and tempts him, or is Nimua his only one true love that he has? Okay, have either of you read The Mists of Avalon? Yes, way back when. Marion Zimmer Bradley. Gosh, yes. Wonderful book. Would it, also, <laughs> would a knight get married in his armor? No. <laughs> okay, because yeah. that's we have that. Yeah, well, I mean, well, yeah. okay. Maybe, yeah, all right. They're all in their armor while yes. If, if he had a, a a king, would get married in his in a in a suit of ceremonial armor. Yes. Okay. Like wearing Just your curious. if you're military, wearing your dress. Yeah. Uniform. That makes or sense. Mm-hmm. I, it was a trivia question I wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, mm-hmm. you're you're yeah. That that that. Now that I think about it, yes, that would be a time when they would all be wearing their nice shiny best suit of armor that they would never take into battle because it cost way too much <laughs> gotcha okay well i want to go back to mists of avalon so i did read that as a 20 something early 20 something it's a great I guess, book and and i remember loving it and then i read the crystal cave because i and i thought that was a great one that's the very stewart one so in that one there's a treatment of nimoy and or morgana and merlin having a triest yeah well it's it's like it's very celtic okay like morgana is morgo's I want to go back to that that book. Yeah. Uh, it was an escape. Or is it more, yeah, it's more gain. But there is a dalliance, so he's not completely asexual or however he's presented. In. Yeah, I don't think Merlin plays a huge role in that book now that I remember. I don't think so either. But it, it very much ties into the, a lot of the, like, Morgana or Morgaine doesn't yeah. trick Arthur into thinking that she's somebody else. He doesn't know that she's his sister it's a really okay. good book where she ties the 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 Arthurian mythos into Celtic history, and it's it's really going good. back to it. Damn it, I am going back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably all went over my head completely. You know, I was an idiot. Uh, I think the other piece of literature that really you you wouldn't think so, but Mark Twain's uh, Confederate what is it Confederate Yankee King, King Arthur's uh, Court Confederate really Yankee and King Arthur's Court uh, that, that cynical view. Oh, it's it's fantastic view of of you know, it was pretty easy to amaze people with, you know, little tricks of, you know, powder magic or whatever. And, uh, and, and what a shyster Merlin was. <laughs> it's just a different treatment. If you, if you take your, your lore seriously, you might not like it, but you have to love Mark Twain's treatment. But in the, at the wedding, there's a great exchange between Morgan, <laughs> Morgana yeah. and Merlin. There is. And yeah. he decides he's going to take her on as an, as an, he'll teach her some things yeah yeah uh then the next thing we see is lancelot out there and we're introduced to percival who is yes looks like a hapless farm boy who (laughs) is enthralled and pouncing on rabbits to feed (laughs) to feed lancelot and it's it's a a sweet moment though it's it's not like it's it's irrelevant it's it's a nice moment and i i like that we see a lighter side of lancelot for a change Mm -hmm. Because he's mm. so goddamn serious all the time. He is. He's the most boring knight there is, really. <laughs> he he does have uh, the personality of an empty egg carton. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yes, he does. There's no point to the man, really. So I don't know what Guinevere's thinking, unless she's um, just that shallow. She's thinking shine, shiny. Well, Paul Jeffrey, who plays Percival, though, is... It, uh, I liked him when I first saw the film. Liked him through all the subsequent rewatches, but this time I mm-hmm. just really, really love him. He's, He's probably just the great best actor film. in the movie. 
yeah, there's a very touching scene later when he's in front of Morgana. He's just about to break. Yeah. Or I just was so moved every time I see that scene. Um, well, but not they, many they, people in the film get a chance to act because they're yeah, they're very they're very archetypal. You know, kind of going back to these are characters who are locked into their destinies. Yeah. Percival, I think, is the only one who kind of gets to color outside the lines. Well, in his except story, for young young Arthur and Merlin, there is character development and and some acting chops are required for that. Just quick. Well, I'm I'm not saying that the actors did a bad job at all. It's it's yeah. just they were all very locked into what they had to do. But archetypal is perfect wording for that. And, yes. um, I also think that Percival slash Sir Galahad comes later chronologically in the in the yeah the writing of the tales too. Um, from the, what the French text or whatever. Um, did, did we see Galahad in the movie? No, we don't. But no, he's, we don't. It, um, it, if you listen to Galahad and, and Percival, are kind of used almost interchangeably because yeah. it, it's Galahad that's pursuing the Grail mm-hmm. in yeah. the more cleric written based texts, and it's Percival in, in the more uh, Celtic or Welsh, I guess. That's um, a pretty morbid, picaresque journey he has. It's, so there's some, yeah, some really grotesque visuals on on that journey. Yeah. Risks. I, I don't want to skip over the great the great confrontation scene in, around the round table. But what's funny to me that I never picked up all these times is that Morgana is sort of chit chatting with Guinevere, and it's when Lancelot comes back and he's like, "I'm going to return to the forest." That. <laughs> That Morgana sees them make googly eyes at each other, and then she yeah. knows. Yeah. She's yeah. like, oh, "I got some info. Got some yeah. intel now." Yeah, and we have Any that great scene. You can get. <laughs> yeah, and then we have that great scene at the round table during during one of Arthur's uh, round table rhetoricals. <laughs> Where's evil? Always what? where you least expect it. <laughs> Always. <laughs> But you have to think these these were not you know sophisticated men in during this time and and they would ask those would be big philosophical questions they just didn't have rhetoric you know the Greeks had been lost to them the Romans had been lost and so they probably thought they were you know thinking pretty deeply <laughs> what well, what is a knight <laughs> just they just didn't have the the rhetoric. Gawain's sitting across the table from Arthur and Guinevere and. Gawain has Morgana in his ear. We don't know what she's whispering, but Arthur asks that question about the evil. And then what, what is it that Gawain says? He says, he says I know where evil is. <laughs> yeah. He says, he, he, he's our best and our bravest. Why is he never here? <laughs> Tripping away by the lust of a woman. <laughs> well, that's very Adam and Eve, like their whole thing in the forest and their whole Love but but it, um, it's also a great scene because we see Arthur doing something no other king had done before. Because, you know, Arthur's goodness. like, take that back. <laughs> if I was any other man, I would kill you where you stand. And Guinevere's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. not going to stand for me. And, and he's like, I can't. I'm the king. I have to uphold the law. And that is like, yeah. nobody does that. And so she's... She's as appalled as everybody else. You and the mm. land are one, Arthur. And it, it, yeah. that is pretty cool because he sort of uh, d- is defining what that means to be king. Uh, that's what makes him special. 
I love the fact that Gawain is pissed at Guinevere. He's not pissed at it's Guinevere's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, not that mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's <laughs> atypical. Really. Well, it's, yeah. it's Guinevere's. It's the woman's fault. It, it's it's yeah. the, the, the original sin bullshit coming through. Yeah, yeah, it is totally. They both vowed, made a vow to their king in different ways. Yeah, and both they, both failed him. And I will say this, Sam, this this next scene where he's off in the woods and it's nighttime, this is yeah. when I really couldn't stand him the most. <laughs> it, it, the the <laughs> double, the fighting with him, so that was a bit hokey. I would have cut that, I think, if I had been Borman. But just, it worked. In, it was very much in keeping with the 80s. I felt, <laughs> I felt no anguish for him. Like, I felt well, no that, sympathy for him. There's my problem with Lancelot. I don't feel anguish for him that you nailed it i don't yeah, feel I, for his he wants something that belongs in those terms in those days to somebody else the, the, one, the one thing about that scene that i have always wrestled with and still today yeah i can't figure out how they did the sword through his side scene. i was just gonna say that uh well because they didn't have cgi at the time and it still holds up that is an amazing piece of visual effects I don't know how the hell they did it. Prosthetic. Even with prosthetics, it he's a skinny dude. There was yeah. not a whole lot of extra room there. Yeah. So if they had built out a bit of his side, they did it brilliantly and seamlessly yes, so that when he pulled that sword out, it looked totally real. And I still can't figure out how they did it. You know, they had you, to be- you do have the the blade that the collapsing blade. I, I know, but it was it was it came through and that's yeah. the coordination on that must have been incredible. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just can't figure out how they did it. It's, it's one of the best visual effects of any film from the eighties I ever saw. So the making of didn't touch on that. No, that they didn't of, mention wow. it. Wow. But, but it comforts me that it wasn't CGI that they had to figure it out. Yeah, no, they didn't, they didn't have the any at, at the time. Okay. 1981. The last Starfighter hadn't come out yet. Really? Okay. And and if you remember the the CG effects from Last Starfighter, which are absolutely abysmal. Yeah, uh, I do. That was the state of the art at the time. Yeah, I think I was pretty impressed at the time. <laughs> I hate to know it, but yeah. I love that. What moment. we were what we were talking about, Rick. He is aware of his of his own desire for her because oh, th- yeah. this is when he's having that little soliloquy about you know I I'd give anything I'd do anything. He doesn't say. He just says, God help. I don't even know if he says, God help me or whatever, but, or take this away. Mm-hmm. He's just wallowing in his desire for her. And so, well, yeah, I don't have a lot just, of sympathy. He's too, he's so naive that he thinks, I think that, you know, the, the, the thing he said to Guinevere, I think he didn't realize that he was lighting a fuse. You, you give him a pass on that. I do not. I think he knew. <laughs> okay. I just, I just do. It was lust, so you know what you're doing, making hmm. eye contact and all that shit. And and he did act on it, so he knew what he was doing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like when he's talking to himself in the forest, he's like, "I could, dig. I would give anything to be with her." You know, just you know, take he, your leave, goodbye, whatever. <laughs> the old wound. <laughs> the old, <I> uh, <laughs> oh, and we do have uh, the the battle in two days' time on the field. <laughs> <laughs> just what's the point of all that i really 
in two days they're bored why not on a, like my, they can't deal with a unified england so my question <sighs> is why not on a why not on a field why not yeah. on a field yes instead of in the midst of a forest also when he makes that deal was it uther makes that deal with uh, the the duke of cornwall in the in the very beginning uh, from, from you the, can from have here from the land from, to, from here to the sea from here yeah. to the sea. We will give you from here to the sea. That's the poorer part of the deal, Uther. You yeah. want access to the sea, you dumbass. He, he's not a rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, Uther, Uther, Uther is, isn't, is. The, isn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. He's a... <laughs> a moron. I must have her, and that's the extent of his thought, you know? I think yeah. that, that's also kind of part of the whole thing, is Uther was yeah. represented the old ways, the path into the new the new enlightened medieval day. <laughs> the enlightened medieval part of the dark age. <laughs> All right. I, I want whatever you're drinking. <laughs> no, no, I just thought that was funny. The, I started thinking about the enlightenment of the dark ages. I just thought that was <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Uh, okay. So Percival uh, is the only one that will stand for Guinevere because <laughs> if he's a perfect knight, why isn't he prompt? Is it because he's he's got this wound in his side? Because he well, the the he didn't get the text. I guess <laughs> his, his shame keep his shame keeps him from facing his the person person he's betrayed. I believe. Mm. During when they're battling, he does show up eventually. And God bless Percival, because that shows you how honorable he is. Yeah, and, and uh, that's why he was worthy at the end to find the Grail. Yes, absolutely considered worthy. So that the true chivalric ideal, if he yeah. he was worthy of that. Re repeating themes, repeating themes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and trials and tribulations, and because uh, they 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 fucking send Percival down to face uh, Gawain. With no armor, a <laughs> horse and shield, <laughs> and Percival's, Percival's like, "All right, this isn't going to go well for me, but I'm going to do it anyway." Which is yeah. that's the yeah the chivalric ideal. Yeah, you know, your, he, your he, honor will hold you aloft. You can beat all odds if you you're pure enough. I, I don't think he even thinks that. He th he's just thinking, "I'm going to defend my queen, and if I die doing <laughs> that, then so be it." I was listening to a mini doc on the on the texts, the early texts that uh, Mallory based uh, Mar Mortator is that Mortator? The Mortator, yeah. yeah. And um, in a way, the way I took it is Percival almost seems like an extension or a reinvention of Arthur. Um, hmm. there's, there's so many. There's apparently a lot of versions of Percival's uh, oh, Percival yeah. slash Gallant. <laughs> So he was a What's favorite. What's the deal with why? Why is he interchangeable? I, I've Galahad. never understood that. Galahad. Galahad. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, just they're they're both the 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 uh you know to, they find at the, the risk of quoting Monty Python. Galahad mm -hmm. the chaste. He's he's the one who was mm. pure. He was untouched, unsullied. Okay. In 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 some stories, Galahad finds the Grail, and other stories, Percival finds yeah. the Grail. It's just that's what was confusing or, to me. It's, yeah. Well, there were also there were a lot of stories that dealt with the individual knights that had you know that weren't part of the the the, the big narrative. You know, like Gawain and mm -hmm. the Green Knight. Yeah. That had yeah. nothing to do with Arthur. It was just Gawain. 
And they're Marvel must. comics in a way. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Oh my god, <laughs> it's Marvel comics. I want to read <laughs> Spider Man. Well, yeah, I well. you know you're, you're going to make a billion if you can print that. That that's the thing is, you know the a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people realize that the the Batman, Superman, X Men, all of that stuff. This is a tradition that goes back to the dawn of humanity. We have always had these heroes who are bigger than life. Everybody knows the stories, but not everybody knows the variations of the stories. Depends on where you're living, and you know. Yeah. What do you mean, Tony Stark was Iron Man? No, it was it was you know Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. you idiot! It was it was Galahad. You know, yeah. It was they they would all get kind of mixed together. Yeah. And that that's funny, Rick, because the popularities like we see in comic books, certain characters become very popular, like Spider Man, really popular in the seventies. And then uh, kind of the, in the 80s, X-Men were, was really big. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of just, and all of a sudden the Avengers now with the films, those those are really popular now, but depending on shifting generations. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can see where, oh, I want to read Gawain. You know, I want to read yeah. about Gawain or I want to read more stories about Arthur. And you can see how that would happen. Well, That's without cool. going down this rabbit hole, when Iron <laughs> we Man- We are. Yeah, well, when Iron Man came out, a lot of people were like, Iron Man? Really? He's like a C-list hero. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm. he was, he was, you know, we all, I, you know, a lot of us nerds knew about Iron Man. Not not for me, he wasn't, but yeah. But yeah, it, it was, a, there was a lot of talk about why the hell are you trying to do an Iron Man movie? And then it just, you know, it exploded. Uh, so, you know, maybe, the you know, Gawain? Really? No, I'm no. into Galahad. I'm into Percival. I'm into Hector, yeah. you know, Boris, well, whatever. Depending on your storytelling abilities to in the oral tradition, uh, if you if you had a good thing going with Gawain or, or Galahad or, or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, if you had a rapt audience and you were able to spin that tale, that might take on a, a greater popularity than than another. And or if your you lord had a name that yeah. was similar to one in the in Oh the... yeah, you wanna you wanna get some goods there and some, you know, you know Sir Billy Bob. Perks. Wink. Sir Billy Bob. <laughs> no, you're talking about the the battle with Lance and and Gawain. Yes. What do you think yeah. of that? It was great. Of, uh... It was great. Again, it was you know, he took his helmet off. Why aren't you hitting him in the head? But other than that, yeah. it was great. <laughs> That'd be like the Geneva Convention of of uh, courtly battle that you you don't hit a man who's unarmed or when he's down. You, you've got to play by the rules. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's what I got from this. The again, we're talking. A, a non-existent level of chivalry um, yeah. <laughs> in, in an actual tournament they wouldn't have been yeah. that nice you'd, you'd take your advantage yeah exactly yeah but it was it was great lancelot is bleeding to death but still still beats beats his opponent uh i as as a fighter i was very much what they call a hero fighter we had tournaments. The dirty tricks, no below the belt. But... Well, no, there, there are, you know, there are in in SCA fighting. There are rules. There are areas where you, you know, below the knees. Below the wrists are 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 illegal targets. Everything else is fair game. <laughs> you know, we we would also have melees where you'd have you know teams fighting together and stuff. I never really cared for that. I was always a what they call a hero fighter. I like the one on one. Uh, so what I are the really... others? Just like the the traditional like battlefield rush. Uh, of... Well, yeah, you've got like, you know, five people on a side, or you've got a shield wall. Oh God, I hated being in a shield wall. <laughs> I really hated being. <laughs> wall. Uh, there's just no glory in there. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I am a rock. Exactly. Yeah. You know, everybody, you know, everybody locks their shields together and marches forward as one. And you're just one of a bunch. And, and, and that, that has its, that has its place. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd thing to, to do when you, I used to get about. in, I used to get killed all the time. Cause I would break from the shield wall and run out and try to fight five guys. And they would all beat the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> it, I mean, Daddy I'm not glory. saying it worked all the time, but um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that fight because the, the choreography was really good. If you accept that they're acting, they're, they're two people wearing full plate acting like they're not wearing any armor. Mm. And, and that's the whole movie. You know, if, if you hit a guy in full plate with a sword, unless you hit them in some place, they're not armored. It's not, they're not even going to feel it. Yeah. But well, now they've Brand, done tests though with chainmail and ballistic gel. Chainmail so. is a different thing. Wearing yeah, just chain. Yeah. yeah. Now That's and a, early, the early knights would have had very minimal like, exactly, plate. Exactly. Yeah. The the time period this movie is set, they would not have been wearing plate armor. Century plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's but not as aesthetically. It's not. No, yeah. It doesn't beautiful. look. It's not shiny. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, it's it's the fantasy clashing with reality. But given that, I think the, the fight, you know, overall, the entire movie had fantastic fight choreography and they didn't rely on what, what movies do, you know, have been doing for the last 10 or 15 years, which is the, the shaky cam and the, and the close-ups yeah. where you can't see what's going on. And, and the yeah. choreography isn't really there because the camera isn't focused. I on hate that. that. That's a pet peeve of mine, Rick. I, so I did appreciate the longer shots and, yeah, yeah, they're they're showing yeah. it off. Yeah, and and May so I... and it, and it, and and they they were doing you know aiming for the 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 gaps in the armor and and you know they weren't hitting each they other were. in the heads but you know they were poking through the gaps in the armor and that's what you had to do when you got two guys who are basically tanks. This must have been but... an editorial nightmare, and they did it so well. Oh yeah, I think yeah. the back and forth thing in different story levels. Are you going to say something, Sam? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask Rick a personal question. Uh, I, I I know your your background in stagecraft and and as an educator and as a, a theater person and all that. Um, when you talk about choreographed fight scenes and then the reality of a fight scene, did you study fighting or just for the stage, or did you look at I don't know what fencing or other types of battle? <laughs> did I've, did I've you take done, classes? I guess I'm I'm asking. Or, I've done both of those actually. I've, yeah. I've you know I I. I was a fighter. I was, I, you know, oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a huge difference between fighting for real and fighting for the stage or for the, for the screen. Yeah. A real fight where you're actually trying to kill each other metaphorically or, or in reality, generally if it lasts more than 30 seconds, yeah. that's unusual. Yeah. Most actual fights are done in two or, you know, you know, two or three passes. That gave me chills as I thought about it uh, when you're really in it for, cause it's a place where you don't go very often. Right. Uh, in yeah. our minds, uh, if you're and fighting I, for I, your life or. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're out there, whether it's real or not, you know, it, when you're, when you're on the field and you're fighting now, we always, we always fought for the honor of our consort. And that was always foremost in my head. The, the SCA, we do did i did uphold the ideals of chivalry that was never for real 
but that's how we did it. That's how I did it. <laughs> and so you're not out there fighting for yourself. You're out there fighting for your lady. Okay. Or your Lord. There, there are women fighters. I've gotten yeah. handed to me by many. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> but and your honor, if you have neither, you're you're fighting for your honor. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, I always tried to. I would rather lose a fight honorably than win dishonorably. And and there were many times where it was like, no, you got me. No, you got me too. All right, let's do it again. Uh, because it wasn't clean. I, I would rather lose a fight cleanly than win a fight mm. questionably. It still hurts. <laughs> Getting hit with a stick, whether you're wearing steel or not, yeah. hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, you know, I distinctly remember a lot of times when I would lose a fight, it would take me completely by surprise. Whenever I see an on-screen fight where the loser gets this look of shock on their face, mm. I totally relate to it. So it's authentic then if, yeah. if you see that. Okay. That's um, interesting. And and that that fight between Gawain and, and Lancelot was beautiful. And the fact that Gawain yielded and then Lancelot just completely passed out afterwards. I've been there. I've won fights where I was just I had one breath left and oh, won wow. it and then fell down. I love the choreography and and, and I've tried yeah. and, and you asked you asked about uh, have I studied? I've studied stage combat. I've done the real thing. I've studied fencing. Um, and it's all different. It's all completely different. Fencing, I don't like it because there's too many rules. Uh, there are a lot of rules. There's I, a I lot took of rules. A, you remember back when there were PE requirements? Yeah. Even yeah. At, at an undergrad? I think it was, It was. was it at PVCC or FE? I'm not sure, but I took fencing. I dropped out because I thought this is not what I thought it was. This is yeah. boring, and I have to wait to be touched with the, the mechanical. Or it's whatever. like I stabbed yeah. you first, but you were on your way to stab me, so you win the point. Like, what? No, you're dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and stage fighting is completely different because stage fighting is all about the show. It's about making yeah. it look interesting to the audience, yeah. and so you want a stage fight to go on for a while, whereas. <laughs> The choreography in this film, especially after knowing they're wearing real armor, I'm sure that that filming, shooting that fight probably took half a day at least because <laughs> you can't keep going as long as they did. No, stamina and not pass needed. out. Well, they revive Arthur's like, please bring him back. Bring him back, Merlin. And then Merlin yeah. makes the uh, the chant of making. And, and he puts Guinevere's hand on him. Yeah, goes after Lancelot and they make the lust. Merlin and Arthur seem to know what is predestined for them. Yeah. Because he he looks at Merlin, he's like, are they together? And, and Merlin's like, yep, time to go now. <laughs> that was yeah. awful. Yeah. And yeah. that would be my, my only question about that part, uh, Rick. Why do you think at this point where it's true, Arthur does need him more now than ever, he's going to bail on him. <laughs> he's alone. He's alone in this. Poor because, Arthur. Because Merlin realizes that he's been he's been Arthur's crutch all along. And I don't think that's he why has, he does it. Well, well, he has tried to tell Arthur from the beginning. He's like, you know, don't eat the cake. Don't, yeah. you know, it, it, Uther, don't do this. Uther's like, yeah. fuck you, I'm doing it. Arthur, yeah. don't eat the cake. Yeah. Don't marry her. Don't yeah. do this. And and they keep ignoring him. And finally, Merlin's like, yeah, they're out there. You knew this was coming. I told you. You didn't do anything about it. 
Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. Okay. I, can I don't see know that. that he. I don't know that he could have done anything though. What could Arthur do differently if he, as king? I think it just had to happen, right? I, I think was it. I think at this point, Merlin is. Merlin. He even says it. He's tired. He's threadbare. He yeah. has been trying to get humanity to do the right thing, and they're just <laughs> they're they're just not doing it. And he's finally like, "All right, fine. I'm just gonna go sit in the dark." You be you do what you want to do. I'll be over here dying. <laughs> yeah, I think mother is an apt analogy because he is dealing. He is a higher intellectual being, right? Yeah, and uh, he's they are children to him. Yeah, he's he's sort of timeless and and has lives in a different time scheme or dimension or or something, mm-hmm. and they are children. And I don't know, there's one line earlier on when I think it's Uther says, you you come when you're not bitten and you stay away when I need you. And, and I, I just don't think that he's he follows the rules of men. Like, no. I'm not going to come. I'm not your dog. I'm not going to come running and, and save you every time. It's up to me as to the when and where and why. Yeah, I think my, but what does he just sound like? My, my comings and goings are my own business or something like yeah. that. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, Merlin decides to, I, I don't know, go to his... Uh inner sanctum or what is it the fortress of solitude wherever he is <laughs> well his his plan is he's done with more he's gonna he's gonna destroy morgana too because she's yeah, yeah he is powerful. gonna just no he insults her about you know i have newt wing bat wing uh you're still messing with potions mm. which on the one hand i'm like you have no right to insult her for that because to me that's even more ancient magic the witch you know feminine witch yeah. but he's got some sort of cosmic power that she's not you know she's of the earth and he's of the cosmos that kind of thing mm-hmm. i think he's very much of earth and nature though you know what i but, just realized did we did we skip over morgana seducing arthur yes we did no it's coming up it's <laughs> oh, coming it? up okay. merlin tries to uh as as part of like tying things up tries to entrap her but because Arthur gives up his sword, right? He goes and he discovers the couple, the untrustworthy couple, Lancelot and Guinevere, um, and and their infidelity. Uh, leaves the sword. He leaves the sword. So that kind of foils Mer- Merlin's plans, and which is a really cool visual effect when it is Excalibur impales Merlin. We have another episode of someone disguised as someone. Yeah, who they should not be sleeping with, um, or they think they're sleeping with. Uh, he thinks he's sleeping with Guinevere, but he's not. He's been uh, he's <clears throat> impregnated his own sister, which yeah. which also is is significant in that he was never able to get a child with Guinevere. In the is tales, he's he he's has a, a lover even before he meets Guinevere, and he he gets her pregnant. Oh, really? Oh. He chooses. To sleep with her, with Morgana in in the stories, in oh. many versions of the stories. Well, it's like in in Miss of Avalon, the the it it happens. There's a it's a it's a Beltane. It's the Beltane basically orgy, uh, and <laughs> yeah. he's he's yeah. got a he's got a mask on. He's wearing like a, a a deer skull or something. Yeah, and he doesn't know that Morgane is his sister, and so mm. they 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 sleep together, and that's where. Why? Why do you think so much incest in these tales? Maybe because the 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 royalty did that a lot. 
Well, I don't know that it's so much incest, but a lot this of this is before uh, pure bloodlines, though. This is this, this is more of a a right, a, what a, a God given right or something. Well, the right king will come along. It may have been related to, and that this is pure speculation on my part, but you know the 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 early Christianity really tried to discredit the earlier, you know, Celtic slash heathen. You know the, the Saturnalia, the 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 early, yeah. you know, the Roman rites remained for a long time. That it could be that simple, Sam. In other words, stop, just stop sleeping around, everybody. Pick one person and try to settle, simmer down, yeah. simmer down now. Stop sinning. <laughs> stop all the fucking uh, with different people because you don't know who you could be doing it with. And the only thing I don't know why. Arthur thinks that this is going to solve everything, but he's like, we must restore what has been lost because apparently he's forgotten something's been lost and he doesn't really quite remember what, what was lost, but something's been lost. And uh, the grail is the only thing that can bring it back. And uh, Gawain standing there and he's, I, I will die trying. Uh, same thing with Percival. So all the knights of the round table go off and then we, we just sort of get Percival's quest, which is, uh, which, which is the whole thing is is connected to there there was this belief that after Christ rose he came to England which is why they thought the grail was somewhere in England that's a nice one yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say without offending <laughs> never mind <laughs> some of our listeners might be offended by my future comments I just no, no, no. I'm just thinking of what was I watching I was watching Rick Steve pagan Steve Rick. pagan not heathen pagan that's the word I was pagan. okay there you there go. go sorry sorry I knew sorry. there was a better word thank you sorry go ahead <laughs> bits of the crash or the crib or whatever in some saints uh you know Italian sarcophagus and it's just there are a lot of parts that you know yeah. nails i don't how many nails do people have in, in various shrines from the cross and just piece of the cross just oh i see what you're saying Sam. yeah I i'm just saying that yeah, chalice in england just well i didn't i didn't say it rick said it so there i'm I, off the I was just oh, no, i'm sure it's a thing it. i'm sure it's a whole belief in their pilgrims who who go there and uh and now i'm having flashbacks from the last crusade <laughs> <laughs> you chose poor <laughs> percival discovers what though in his journey to find the, and, and i read he's been searching 10 years in the film i had read somewhere else that it was only five but whatever percival's been out there looking for this yeah and yes. he, he makes several discoveries one is is that many of the knights are gone have died in in during this time looking for the grail I'll never find it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love his performance. What are his landmarks to find it anyhow? I just find it logistically very unlikely. Important, importance, signs. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's one of the one I think one of the greatest strengths of the film. Foreman's just like, we're we're just we're not even dealing with reality anymore. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got the, the tree with all the dead knights that that Mordred has has hung them on. Which that was a, a is, lasting visual for me, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, that, seeing it as that a young person. Scene and then, yeah, yeah. When the Gives crow me pecks nightmares. the eye out, we we love that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God, I just That's think a gruesome scene. It yeah. is, but but metaphorically, everybody has aged. <sighs> There's nothing to do much. So let's let's round up a quest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
lost youth and, and, and all of that folly and they need some excitement, right? Sort of like storm in the Capitol. I don't know. Percival is brought before Morgana and, 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 uh, Mordred. He see, he sees this weird little boy yeah. in this golden armor, which is a stunning visual, it, by the way. It, it's stunning and disturbing. I was very disturbed by that. <laughs> I never thing. liked Mordred's yeah. armor, but yeah, yeah some yeah. people the think maniacal it's laughter coming out of yeah. a twelve-year-old ghastly bad seed child. <laughs> yes. Oh God, that interaction is what touched me so much, and mm-hmm. still does. And he's yeah. like, "I heard the laughter of this sport. I, I never thought this... to hear laughter again." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Is this no? This is before that. That's right. This is before he he meets up with crazy man from scene twenty three, Lancelot. Morgana and and Mordred offer him, you know, join us, and he's like, "Fuck you, no!" And so they put him on the tree. From a reality standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. But from a from a we're in, you know we're totally in fantasy now. So he's hanging there. He's trying to breathe, and the spurs of the dead knight above him cut the rope. But he has this vision of he he sees Camelot and the drawbridge comes down and there's the grail hanging there and this boy, you know, what is the secret of the grail? Whom does it serve? And he has no idea what and he's terrified. And so he tries to run back and the drawbridge (laughs) comes up. And just as he falls off the drawbridge, the, the ropes cut and he lands on the ground. It's it very memorable for me uh, from from way back to today. It was uh, all right, hokey, and it, it was. It, well, it I don't could know, have been. But, it could yeah. have been, but I think yeah. I think it totally works because the whole film has been building up to a depart. You know, it, it's never been reality, and I think at this point is when the film goes completely off the rails into this religious vision. Oh, it's he's t- it's totally selling Christianity at the at the oh, end yeah, of the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he and I he, don't know that Borman's doing that, but that's the story. Well, I wonder how the more yeah. too uh, takes you know treats it. Well, I, I understand it doesn't stick very yeah. closely to the more too, but, uh, but then, yeah, I don't but think Borman like, would be pitching Christianity. No, I he, I'm not saying that he's doing that, but he he could just be deciding now. That's the thing I'm going to put together here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. And and then Percival finds a you know a family, you know, the there there's the plague. But and and this is this is the weirdest thing. Okay, so he 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 finds Lancelot, who is, you know, bearded and straggle-haired and the prophet <laughs> yeah. of doom. I didn't realize it was Lancelot until he's like, Lancelot. I'm like, huh? <laughs> okay, no, I didn't so either. He's it's still wearing his freaking breastplate under his rags. <laughs> <laughs> you can take it off now. Maybe it's holding yeah. him together at that point. But you're not naked now. You finally put some clothes. Yeah, he's still yeah. wearing. So anyway, the so the peasants beat the hell out of out of Percival and knock him in the river, and yeah. then he gets out of his armor. And so metaphorically, as well as as physically, he is burying himself. He's naked. He's mm. he's all but naked. Yeah. And then the vision comes true. What is the secret of the grail? Whom does it serve? And he's like, you, my Lord, and who am I? You are Arthur. And what is the secret I have lost? You and the land are one. And then he reaches mm-hmm. up and he takes the grail. And then suddenly we're back to Arthur. Yeah, and it's it, complete. That's complete now fantasy what? at that point. That, that is, is he, he, the rejuvenation is a bit, you know. But at this point, the movie has gone so far from real 
that I yeah. didn't have a I I didn't feel like it it felt yeah uh jarring. It goes away from sort of that ancient feeling that you get at the very very beginning of the film, and it becomes very organized and very symbolically religious. At least yeah. to me, it does. The mood yeah. changes at that mark. It really does. You're in love with this whole ideal of chivalry in the beginning, and then there's that very stark cut when they're older and, and he has to go on his quest and the holy grail is the only thing that's going to bring what prosperity and harmony back to the oh i don't know mm-hmm. i guess you <laughs> I know. you it all well, equals it's, you it's going to bring it's going to bring the land back because our, as arthur dies so does the land yeah and mm. so percival gives him like you know one sip from the grail I'm all better now. <laughs> Time to go kill Mordred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and he, go, he goes about, uh, first thing he does is he makes his amends to to Guinevere. Yeah, and that's a wonderful oh, scene. That is a good scene, the returning of the, that she kept it. I, I want to know about the lore. Uh, do either of you know? Uh, I, do, I do not. Okay. Because she's, she's in a nunnery, so yeah. obviously she has she has taken the vows. Could have killed her. But could have, could have spared her. Yeah. yeah, you know, in in some versions, Lancelot comes in with an army and rescues her. Yeah, uh, from from being punished for infidelity. Uh, I like this version better. I my only problem with that scene is she doesn't really have a whole lot of lines. He talks a lot. She just sort of looks sad and wistful. One thing that I think I noticed this time that I never really caught before was. I'm not completely convinced that she ever really loved Arthur. I no. mean, maybe loved him as a king, but not, you know, I just didn't feel that this time that uh, she was ever really in love with him. But she, she had loved hots him. for him. Go it ahead. was a good marriage. It was a, it was a beneficial marriage. And we, I think we know that romantic love is a fairly recent invention. And That's you would true. want to marry up. Yeah. That's and, true. Uh, and so her heart might belong to Lancelot, but you would marry for whatever fortune that might bring you. Well, I think I think she was she was cool with marrying Arthur until she met Lancelot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. She certainly didn't have the passion for Arthur that she had yeah. for Lancelot. That's all I maybe that's well, all she, she couldn't even do your one duty as queen is to bear a son, though, right? Yeah. And she, she didn't get that. She couldn't even do that. But, but even... most most of the lore puts that on Arthur. That, that's oh, his. Okay. That's his curse. Okay. It's, it's oh. never been. At least nothing that I've seen has blamed Guinevere for that. It's always been Arthur was cursed to not foster a son except for Mordred. We have the final battle scene. Arthur is is basically set out to killing his own progeny. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> In evolutionary terms, it doesn't work, but yes, for this yeah. it does. But, <laughs> yeah, but he he goes he goes to a a, a hinge, not the Stonehenge, but a hinge. A hinge. <laughs> there are many hinges across across the British garden Isles. variety hinge. Yes, and apparently, oh, I and I read a I, I read a, a story. They built that for the movie. And apparently at some point while they were filming, a, a, a couple of American tourists came up to, to see it because they saw it and thought it was really cool. And they had to go, I'm sorry, we we just built this. It's not, it's oh, not God, a, it's a, a spinal tap moment. <laughs> and so Arthur is having, you know, he's like, Merlin, I wish you were here. I need you. And, and he like, yeah. he pounds his fist against one of them. And and Merlin, who is trapped in the in the crystal and in the in the cave, he's like, yeah. Huh? <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's then, you know, then there's that bothered that. me. Arthur yeah. falls asleep and Merlin visits him in a dream and he's like, Your love brought me back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's like, a bit. Now I'm gonna go fuck up more Morgana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I love the yes. I love the scene. Mer- Merlin, are you a dream? A dream to some. Well, those are nightmares. Nightmare. <laughs> I, I, I do love the That's little a comical. <laughs> just the little comical bits in this film are yeah. are very well done, and most of them are uh, Nicole Williams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, parts uh, in the making of Rick. Did did Borman give Nicole Williamson leave to ad lib or you know? I don't think they. He didn't really bring say. anything of his own. It, it just it. I really got the the feeling that. It was hard to rein Williamson in, and so okay. they just sort of let him go. Uh, oh, I adore his performance. Oh, so. yeah. It, it makes the film. It really makes the film. Um, so then he he goes to Morgana, who's in, in Mordred's camp. She's asleep, and so he visits her in a dream, and like she tries to – and in one of the worst visual effects in the whole movie. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> she like tries to scratch him, and it, her hand goes through him because yeah. it's very clear. That, and it, yeah, anyway. yeah, um, yeah. But he gets her, he goads her into reciting the charm of making. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also read that, that that breastplate she was wearing, which is literally a breastplate, uh uh Borman has it in his will that it will go to it will go to Helen Mirren when he dies. Oh, <laughs> oh God. That's funny. That's he says. <laughs> you know, he he taunts her in her in his yeah. in her dream and yeah. says oh you must be more powerful than i ever was you know surely you can bring the mist and mm-hmm. gets her to re- recite the charm and make and i love his last line be careful it might damage your beauty yes he does he does get that <laughs> and he gets her to she she's spouting the and it's it's okay i know it's probably the cheesiest effect in the whole movie because it's clear there's a there's a, a pipe spouting out smoke just on the other side of her face <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it still works, and and yeah. Mirren, Mirren really sells it. I got I got to. Well, they use two that. different actors, right? Uh, there is an older actress in that. Oh older, yeah, later yeah. on. Um, yeah, yeah, after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I find I find hilarious now, given. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell us this bit. Beth and I had some problems with counting chrono- well, chronologies. Oh, uh, and, well, she's only ten years. What ten years older than than Merlin? Arthur. Or t- t- ten years older than Arthur. Arthur. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. So why would she be so ancient looking compared like why is Merlin able to use the the chant of making? Because the, the charm the, of making the charm burns her burns her out. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. She isn't but strong enough. More... To... I also so to find it very going constantly, it would take more out of her. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. I just also find it very funny that uh, Helen Helen Mirren's what, maybe seventy now and she's hot as ever. Oh my so. god. Did you all see Red, <laughs> the, the movie Red with with Helen Mirren? It, it, it retired. Uh, uh, what, what is it? It was it was based on a comic book. Anyway, retired extremely dangerous, and Helen Mirren using a fifty caliber machine gun was just so incredibly hot. <laughs> right, I need to see this. All right, but my wife is agreeing. With extremely me. dangerous. Okay. <laughs> what what Merlin did was get Morgana to to level the playing field because. Mordred's army outnumbers Arthur's knights. So he gets Morgana to summon the dragon's breath to, to, to create a fog, which has the, you know, first it, it gives Arthur a, a an advantage, advantage. Because 
they, you know, the, the numbers no longer count and it destroys Morgana. It turns her into an 80 year old woman. And yeah. then Mor- Mor- Mordred comes in and sees her. And because of course they're both completely irredeemable and evil and probably have been sleeping. Repulsed. Like, you know, yes. More, more undertones of incest. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so he strangles the aged woman. And then, then he's the a nasty begins. piece of work. Yeah. yeah. The, the final battle happens. Now, what what we haven't mentioned is that in one scene, Morgana is anointing Mordred, and she says, no weapon forged by man will ever harm you. So there's the loophole. Hmm. So nobody can hurt him. And then we get to the end. Lancelot comes back, bedraggled and bearded and killing people left and right, even though he's <laughs> bleeding to death. Uh, and he's, Arthur, Arthur. And he, they never find each yeah. other. And then Arthur's killing people left and right, and everybody's dead. And it's just Arthur and Lancelot, who is just on death's door, and Arthur being the 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 wonderful paladin that he is, you know, he finds Lancelot and he he cradles him as he's dying, and he's like, you know, is Guinevere the queen again? Yes, Lancelot, she is. And you you know, he forgave Guinevere, he forgives yeah. Lancelot, Lancelot dies believing Guinevere's the queen again and all is right with the world. And yeah. then you've got Percival, Arthur, and Mordred. And Mordred's there with his spear, and Arthur's there with Excalibur. And Mordred's like, "Come, father, let us and let us embrace again at that last." <laughs> and, so, and so Mordred spears Arthur, who doesn't even try to defend himself. And that's why yeah. I was like, "This is the moment where they both know this is how it yeah. has to go." Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is not a fight. This is the end of things. So yes, Mordred stabs him, and and as a as as young people, we all love the fact that like meat fell off of the spears that came out of Arthur's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. when meat. you're 18, you love that shit. Yeah, of course. Of and then course. Arthur pulls himself down Mordred's spear and and stabs him with Excalibur because Excalibur was not forged by men; it's a magical yeah. blade. Yeah, loophole. Yeah, you know, blood everywhere. Mordred dies. Arthur is dying and Percival comes up and, and Arthur's like, take the sword, go find a clear, find a calm body of water and throw the sword in. And Percival's like, why calm? Just why calm? (laughs) It's poetic. (laughs) And so Percival takes the sword and this is right out of the books. Percival takes the sword and he goes to the lake and he can't do it. He comes back and Arthur's somehow taking the spear out of his chest. <laughs> I find this all remarkable as I was watching it again. Yeah. <laughs> and Arthur's like, what did you see? And Percival's like, I didn't see anything. I couldn't do it. And Arthur's like, God damn it. I told you to do it. You had one you job. Had one job. <laughs> <laughs> and so Percival goes back and he, and he, and he throws the, the throws Excalibur and the lady of the lake catches it and hydraulically yeah. drops below the wave. <laughs> <laughs> that was in- Film film forward and then in reverse. I, I ran yeah. The film rever- yeah, you know they did yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And then Percival rides rides back and he's looking for Arthur and he, he sees the the, 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 the boat taking Arthur to Avalon. And it's beautiful. And the, the cinematography is so gorgeous. It is. Uh, yes. And there are no more words. There's no need for words. It's done, just done. beautiful. Yeah. Dun, dun, and then just fade to black. This movie is such a work of art. You know, I really we, do love that last last shot as yeah. as, as being taken. We, what do the three women about... symbolize? The fates? Uh, I don't know. 
I, I don't think they're the fates. So I think that's 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 more that's less it's more than this wants to be. <laughs> okay. I think they they were just they were taking him to the Isle of Avalon, which was like a a, a nunnery or a, a Christian stronghold yeah. or something where he okay. would lie until needed again. Duality, divine right, what? redemption. I'm just seeing divine right, duality, and redemption. Oh, okay. Um, the, the Temple of Avalon was sort of a, a, a commingling of Christian and, and pagan. So syncretism beliefs. of Christianity and pagan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did, I want to ask you guys, did you watch, I know that there is a PG-13, I think, version and an R-rated version and some lost 20 minutes between the two. Were you able to watch the full version or... I thought I partial. watched the full version. I I, I didn't know there was an edited version. There there is a PG version, and, and twenty minutes I, of sex and violence are are cut out of. The, I think Athea must have been like Caligula. Like oh, here's the R rating. I, I, the X -rated, I certainly did not watch a PG version. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I just uh, it always comes up when you look up for for trivia, and uh, I just wondered. Are the three of us saying that we remember this? Film having more nudity. I mean, because I don't. I, I feel I like don't. the version I, that I, I saw. I thought that there was there was a what scene I saw where Helen the Mirren did some nudity, but then it didn't. So I don't know if uh... she doesn't do. Uh, and and we saw the unedited, uh, right, Sam? Uh, the version I saw. Well, we saw the unedited uh, Caligula as well. But she doesn't do a lot of nudity, really. It's. Mm -hmm. Subtle, subtler. I think the pros came in for the for the hardcore yeah. stuff. But, yeah, um, you, you according, can find that stuff out there if you look. For yeah, it. yeah. Uh, according to Borman, the film was originally three hours long. I'm going to see all the scenes that were deleted from the finished film, um, but featured in one of the promotional trailers was a sequence where Lancelot rescues Guinevere from a forest bandit. Is that one of your Robber knights. I, I don't know what a robber knight is, and I still want to know what a robber knight. Is. What the hell is a robber knight? I I know what that the version I watched a... jibed with what I remembered. So okay, and, and it does did to, did to me too. A robber baron or robber knight was an unscrupulous feudal landowner who, protected by his fief's legal status, imposed high taxes and tolls out of keeping with the norm without authorization of some higher authority. How that relates to jousting, I don't know. <laughs> but maybe that was just a, you know, just a, just a piece of a sage advice in general. You're gonna uh, run. You're gonna run into un, some unscrupulous knights here. So, yeah. you know, have keep your keep, keep your, your head purse on a next to the <laughs> keep your head on a swivel, sir. Okay. Oh, Rick, you've been fantastic. Sir, Rick, have... you truly are. Well, thank you. I uh, I apologize for dragging us onto many a tangent. I'm afraid that's my. I love the tangents. That's why yeah. you're such a good member of our our little podcast. Well, thank you. Pe I thank you for having me on. It's always a joy. And this is the first time I've been on with both of you, and it's it is I know. absolutely that has had the honor all times. So I finally get on. Yay. We didn't talk much about the music. I remember wanting an album of Excalibur back in the day, and it wasn't available for a long time, I think. You had to sort of piece it together. Of it is Wagner. Wagner and <laughs> what's his name? Orf? It just seemed <laughs> wrong to say Orf. Orf. Uh, Orf. <laughs> 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 hey, uh, yeah. So. Uh, I think it's time we, can, we pull the curtain. It's getting late. Yeah, it's almost midnight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, 
wonderful people. Thank you for, for being out there and listening to us. And Rick, thank you so much for joining us. And I don't think you're joining us anymore. I think you are part of us. Well, so thank you right. for being a part of the celluloid pudding podcast. We will send you your swag soon so that you can wear it proudly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Rick, I thank just, you so much. It's a cod piece and earring. It just oh, there... <laughs> <laughs> and you do there's the requisite tattoo and uh, just but but there's no other commitment. That's fine. Um beautiful people, wherever you are in time, space, or on the globe, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Uh be kind to each other, read something new, see something different. Good night. Good night.